What could we put up there that's eye-catching, James? Nakamigos or something? Nakamigos. Nakamigos, rugs, rugs. Nakamigos teams up with Yuga. Nakamigos. Nakamigos and Yuga, question mark? Between me and you in the recorded space, (laughs) we we may know who it is. Wink, wink. Really? All right, so put Nakamigos and Yuga question mark. Trust me, people come in. Look, see, Dow just came in. Randall's here. They heard the news. What's going on, Randall? What's going on, Dow? Stacky's gonna Stacky's gonna stir up the Nakamigos pot. We should get Riggs in here because he wants to talk all about it. So I had a friend of mine tell me about Nakamigos at zero zero, like two or four. I, I want to say it was that low, and of course I faded it because no, <laughs> no. We still it don't know exactly. Right. We still don't know. Like you might, you're, I don't know if you necessarily faded for a bad reason. We still don't know exactly what the fuck's going on. Uh, I like guess the jury, yeah, sure. the jury's out still for me. Anyway, I don't know if Dow has a different take on that, but that's my that's my view. Yeah, I, I don't know if I faded it either. Like, I have some, you know, Leslie has a ton of them. Oh, really? How many did she buy? Uh, I want to say, like, she bought them a little higher up, but they were like point, like point one, I want to say. And she bought like six of them. Oh, wow. But See? I know Discipline, I don't know if you know Discipline. I think he has like 20 of them, honestly. Yeah, I got a buddy so, that's got like, he bought, I think, 15, uh, 15 of them. Uh-huh. We went back and forth. When the people, I'll be honest with you, I was on, I was on the coffee show. When the people, uh, when the people news dropped, I actually turned around and bought one immediately. Um, wrote it up to point whatever it was, 8.5 and sold it because I got scared um, because me and Adam okay. were talking in the back channel. And thank God we did because then it plummeted, but then it went back up again. So I don't know. I have no idea. I know Steve's got thoughts there. Yeah, I've I've lots of thoughts on Nakamigos. People take Nakamigos very seriously. Is what I've learned. I, I can't uh, believe especially we those who don't I, hold them. I, I can't believe we back, went through yesterday. Steve, whatever you say, I got your back. Oh no! Say with the chest, Steve. Let him know. Oh no, it's it's fine. It's like part of it, right? Like if you put something out like once every, I don't know, like your batting average isn't going to be perfect. Every so often, you're going to send out a tweet, and there's going to be a lot of very mad people in your mentions. But it's all good. Um, I've just been. I was saying this morning. I've just been a little bit more apt to blocking people now than I used to be. I used to try to engage with people and saying, "Hey, hope they're doing well." Like you know, just all you know, all the good things. Um, but like. You know, maybe like ask them, you know, follow up question. And a lot of times back in the day, I would do this. People would like apologize or it turns out that they were mad about something else. But I don't know. I don't have time for people who make judgy assumptions. I don't need that type of energy in my life. So it's it's part of it. It's just you go on, you block and you move on. And I was saying, I mean, I was saying this morning, it's like stuff like that. I just like to bring to the surface so people know the reality that's out there. Um, like I, I'm pretty transparent on coffee with captain about like my journey as an entrepreneur with my health, what's going on in my life, like how I'm kind of balancing it as a first time and also what goes on online. And so I just was like, yeah, here's something that happened yesterday, but it's like, I've gotten to the point now where it's like when stuff like that happens, it'll bother me for like a couple of minutes, a few minutes, maybe a tinge here and there when you get like one really bad reply. But generally speaking, it's like, I just kind of block people and move on. And then I'm like, Oh, my son's talking about Pokemon. That's cool. And I just kind of go back to that. So, yeah, people are 
People are big bad though. Like it, it's just, I just wonder what compel. Like I just couldn't compel put myself in the brain of like a human, and I, I guess they're hurting, but like a human who jumps, who does that, right? Who like jumps into someone's mentions and just says nasty, nasty things to them. But that's you know, it's part of part of Twitter and part of online life. But um, yeah, but dude, know, that was just ridic- that was just ridiculous. What you? I actually looked. I went because I, I saw it before you actually started talking about it. And because, you know, I'm scrolling in the morning, I was like, what is this? So I started reading and I'm like, how many times is somebody going to say, where's the connection? And you just make the simple answer of, well, Yuga owns 10 KTF. Like, that's just a simple answer to that. And then they would just reply with something even nastier. It just that to me, that's just dumb. It's it's actually dumb. And I don't it's fully worthy of a block. And I, I, I commend you for every individual that you blocked that did that because that's not really having like a, a conversation or providing any kind of value at all other than wasting oxygen and timeline. Yeah, no, I was a big fan. There's one person who said like, what's the connection? There's no connection. You apes pumping your bags again, which, you know, I've kind of made the point, like I don't own any 10 KTF nor any Nakamigos. So there's not really a bag pump to be had. I'm pumping everyone else's bags. I don't have either of those. I'm just commenting on what I'm seeing. And someone's like, says this like terrible thing to me. And I'm just like, well, the connection is 10 KTF. And they're like, prove it. And I show them the tweet and they're like, prove it. I'm like, well, 10 KTF is owned by Yuga. Cause they didn't realize probably 10 KTF is owned by Yuga, nor that people's an advisor and used to own the company and sold Yuga, all those things, whatever. So I mentioned that. And then they're like, this isn't that big of a deal. Maybe it would have been a big deal last year. And I'm like, you just completely changed your argument. Just take the L. Like you came in here with a very strong point of view. You were wrong. That's cool. That's Okay but I don't have time. And that's when, you know, someone's just looking to argue or just be like, it's like, you got caught. Like, they're like, there's no connection. I'm like, and I said that there was, and then I said 10 KTF and they said, well, what does that mean? And I was like, well, you own 10 KTF, which they're unaware of. Now it's like, Oh, well I'm changing my argument now to get in a fight with you. So it's fine. It's, it's just people being people. It's just like you said, like it's, I mean, block, block, blickety block. And you keep going. That's just how it has to be sometimes. So it is what it is, but like, no, it's, 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 it's wacky. It does get, like I said, it happens probably every, I don't know. It's not super frequently. It's like maybe once a month I have one of these where it's like I end up blocking a dozen to two dozen people who are just dicks. So it happens. But um, on the fashion side, I think there's over five million in sales now on the Gucci um, 10KTF necklace. And I, I think that that's probably worth noting. It's like 2,700 out of the 3333 that are sold at the moment. Um. And they released something about how they're going to have like a combination of like exclusive epic items for rewards. Um, some are branded, some are not. So they had a helmet that went out. They have the Gucci necklaces you can buy. Honestly, this is like a very expensive Starbucks Odyssey that's going on in some degree because I think about the connection. It's like if you were in second trip and you managed to complete uh, and be on the team that won, I was not. Uh, da- shout out Dow Jones down in the chat who led the DJ Network War Room through the, uh, uh, the stream, which was fun as hell. Like, so much fun chatting with Dow. I was dying laughing with Dow and J-Web and, and the crew. Um, but um, yeah, like people won that helmet. That's an exclusive item through a quest or in-game opportunity that was limited. Now they have a paid item. Reminds me of the Starbucks Odyssey paid drops that we're doing. And all of those items are either going to be aesthetic or who knows they'll add utility to them. But I think it's a really good model for Yuga to be releasing items like this for other side in limited fashions because... They don't all have to be super scarce, but it's almost like a souped up version of Doodles 2 to some degree. And the Gucci thing is the reason they can charge that $2,000 premium is they have the $500 necklace that goes with it on top of the NFT. So 
you know, you back it out and it's like, okay, well maybe the NFT is worth like 1500 and the necklace is about 500. Um, I find that fascinating. I think it's a really good model so, that we've, we thought of, but it's good. I'm confused now. So hold on. So the, so I have a coda. I can get this necklace. I didn't know it comes with an NFT. Yeah, anybody can get this necklace. So you can get this necklace. I can get ah. this necklace without a coda as a reminder of my failures of trading my coda and <laughs> buying the top of Moonbirds if I just want to like hate myself. But for, for you, you could buy this thing. And I believe they actually refashion your coda to be wearing it. It actually looks like the original serum in other side in the video. Uh, if you see it at the moment, that's the, that's the NFT version. And then the physical version is the one that you collect. So um, the reason I find this interesting, just to like even extrapolate a little more is like, Think about the idea that they could add those wearable items in game through branded quests. So the example I give way back in the day is when I was working in Progressive, like early on, we did this integration with something called the Sims Social, which was like the Sims on Facebook, where your neighbors effectively were the people who were your friends who played the game. You only saw your plot, but you helped each other out. You worked in competitions, did competitions together, worked in, in tandem, built up this awesome house. Well, Progressive did this integration where a series of things that you would do in the game that were fun... And the end and flow was giving you instructions and the end reward was a uh, unicorn sparkly unicorn lawn ornament, which is very on brand with flow. And it was branded progressive. So if you got this, it was an exclusive item and people had it proudly, even though it was a branded item, because they're like, well, I got the sparkly unicorn. I want that shit in my front yard. Right. And progressive wins because they go through the sort of flow and there is an opportunity to quote, but they don't really even care about that. It's like a branding play. Um, they do track how many people quote, but you could see that playing out on other side in a really cool way where the way that I go through quests in GTA, there's like these missions I do where it's like, go steal these two cars from this, the airport in this giant hangar plane. So like me and my brother drive, we, you know, sneak in there, we win, we drive them away. You could have a world where you do that and you get an item and it doesn't have to be the best item. It could be levels of, you know, difficulty of super hard. It could be limited time. You can do so many different quests this way. It's an interesting other side model I want to throw out there for wearables and, you know, potentially even like branded partnerships and fashion partnerships. So I don't know, long-winded way of saying, I thought the Gucci thing unlocked some thoughts that were kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be super interesting if it, if it did have some in-game value and in, in, in that way, I'd be curious to see how they, I don't know how they execute on that. And I don't know what kind of value that would bring, whether or not that's, you would imagine at that price point, there's gotta be some power up, but, there's so much pushback around the, the, the power-up scenario that I'm really curious to, to understand how this whole ecosystem is going to work. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not confused by it. I'm just more curious than anything because if, if people can, like, if there is an economy around this, right, and there is a marketplace and people can purchase um, items that, that have value in the game and that give you um, power, advantage, whatever you want to call it, like that alone is opening the door for the conversation to be like, okay, well, there's items that are going to give you um, more advantage. We've already we've already started that process. Technically, it was done randomly, right? Like we didn't know who was going to get the plots of land with Dakota on them, and then introducing things like the helmet that you just talked about. Um, th this item now, that that's the part that that has me really super curious. Um, because I, I don't mind if there's an advantage in, in that way. And I'm not just saying that because I have a code. I'm saying that because if that's the ecosystem and there is a marketplace, what else would that be used for? It can't just be for, um, for aesthetic value. Like if that, that well, I think dumb, it can, I think it can, I think it can be for aesthetic value. I think that 
that's what you see, although albeit on a smaller level, which is one of the reasons I sometimes question other sides overall business model, right? Like this high-end video game market they're looking at doesn't really super exist. When you look at the top sales, top 20 sales of video game items, it pretty quickly outside of these NFT things like the key from the monkey's asshole, you get down to like, you know, thousands of dollars versus millions of dollars. So that's the thing that concerns me is that I, I think aesthetics is kind of the way you, you go with it. You know, I, I sometimes quote Bord Elon and saying, you can't really let someone pay to start a game with two queens, then it's not fun depending on how the game goes, right? But aesthetically, on a more sort of like, not even a microtransaction level because they are like eight, 10, $12 a month, which depending on how you define microtransactions, I think they're less than that. They're more like the Candy Crush world. Um, but like the sort of eight, 10, $12, that's what people pay for in Minecraft and Roblox. Like my kids do chores. My kids will not get off their ass for anything and they will go do chores for Roblox and, uh, and, v and v Bucks because they're able to get aesthetic skins that don't really give them an advantage. Like my daughter wants to pull a epic cat from a pet from pet simulator x or whatever the highest level is and my son wants to subscribe so that he gets a monthly Fortnite upgrade which gets him all the skins and it's purely aesthetic um but people spend a lot of money on this stuff because i think and i also think the in-game advantages you'll be able to purchase my inclination if that if yuga's playing it smart the way they potentially approach it is in-game advantages won't be stuff like wearables wearables will be aesthetic potentially have a little bit of like armor max sort of like you know, elements to it, they could play around with that, but my gut is those are mostly aesthetic, and the actual upgrades are more of a Candy Crush type model, right, where you look at Dookie Dash, you hit a couple of buttons, and you get, like, things like the Power Shirt, which I guess was competitive, it's not, it's you against other people, but it, like, it was a set competitive number to pay to play, because I just feel like if you make it too powerful, like, somebody's just gonna come in and be like, sweet, I have five million dollars, let me go dominate the game, and there's an episode of South Park with World of Warcraft, where there's this, like, one dude who had everything, and it was awful. Um, so, like, I, I just don't think people want that, but I don't know. Like, cause to me, again, that's the problem. Like, and this comes down to the conundrum. We don't need to get into when you talk about a code of being a $20,000 or whatever it is. NFT at this point, I think it's less now that he coupled. It's like 15,000, 10,000, whatever. Um, what can you possibly announce that makes it worth that? If it's not an advantage of the game, but if it is an advantage of the game, do I, without a code, even with plots say like, well, I'm just going to play with my stupid vessel and lose. I don't know. So I think a lot of it can be aesthetic. I think there's a fine line to toe between utility or like maybe opportunity, but I, I, maybe, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's gated tournaments. I just, I think there's a lot of complexities there. They got to think about if they want to have a ubiquitous game, that's fun to play. I don't know, James, if you have thoughts on that, but I know Dow's. It's yeah. Let's to go to, let's go to Dow. And then I'll give you my thoughts on, on that. Cause you know, I do have some thoughts there, but Dow, come on in. What's going on? So this is the penguin who's walking his dog after his son begged for 50 bucks in 2k. And his job was to walk the dog. So I feel you 100%, Steve. The only way you can motivate these kids is with internet money. Sounds like a lot of the DJs in the room. Anyway, I'm with you 100%. And, like, I don't understand how you're going to get kids to have these high-priced assets, right? Because at the end of the day, 35, 45-year-olds are not going to be your main target audience. So, like, how do you go from a $50 gift card to a $15,000 asset? So I think what they were planning on doing was some sort of revenue sharing model. And the SEC has kind of muddied the waters for them on that. And now we're kind of in the waiting and, and, and see what happens game, right? So they're going to keep doing things to try and keep people on the hook until it's all settled. And they're either going to go ahead with their revenue sharing or they're going to have to pivot because, like, I don't understand how else, unless holders are in there building themselves. Like, for example, James has a real use case in there. The Clubhouse Archives click and mortar store where he can save on AWS services or something like that. Like, I understand that model. But for Steve and Dow Jones, how do we make money 
passively or get your return on the investment on the other side without just selling it and being out. So like that crossroads will come. And I think that they had a plan, but the SEC kind of fucked that up for them. So I'm just interested to see where it goes, because like in the current iteration, if you bought the Pico top, I don't see any way you're getting your money back. We talk about the fact that Dow just said click and mortar and then just kept rolling through that for a brick and mortar store in the I, metaverse. I, well, click, and and how is real click and mortar is when you have a real business and you have an internet business. But, uh, you know, I think that that real business, who the hell is going to pay NYC rentals, right? When you got the metaverse popping off. Just incredible. Just incredible. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Like, Gucci's probably going to set up a store, right? And there will be, like, some aesthetic decisions that people will want to make there, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I find it, I mean, I do find it like to be a conundrum that they're dealing with. And I do think the land itself, to your point, could have value. A hundred thousand plots is a lot. Hopefully they're not releasing that next 200,000 to divide that cost in half. Um, you know, the use case I've heard, and I, I won't use the exact data cause I don't know what the person's going to come out with a research paper or anything on it, but I know some pretty smart people who have told me that the land has more value opportunity in the coda because the coda is an in-game asset depending on game mechanics. The land itself, if you get a ubiquitous metaverse, I won't say the exact use case, but they've kind of done the math and been like, I could see it being worth like $5,000 right now because they would, and again, not financial advice. I have no idea. I'm the one who's sort of fading the value there, but um, the idea that either a brand would want to set up on there or a person would want to set up a shop. You could do pop-ups. Like there's a lot of things you could do with the land, which James has talked about quite a bit. Again, where like a code comes in play, I, I actually agree with you 100%, Dow. If I was a betting man, and I, who knows if I'm right at all, right? I know I am a betting man, so it's a weird thing to say. But like, uh, I, I'm down horrendously on my master's bets. But um, I would say like what you said there about like, I think they probably had a revenue sharing plan where the codas were going to be involved. I, and now they're going to be forced to make just a really fun game where they can't like mess with the SEC too much. But I think you're probably right. I think there was a revenue sharing plan and that's where the code is. We're going to be like this big key to the game. And now it's sort of like, okay, what can we do with these things to make them work? Again, I have no idea, but it's, we just don't see 10,000 assets in any game worth 15, $20,000. And it's just something that doesn't exist right now. And, you know, let alone a hundred, like, again, like you, like you could buy basically, you know, like you could buy a now. Now, here's what's interesting with the vessel thing, and and I want to I want to railroad myself, and I'll go back back. I'll go to you, James, or back to or whoever wants to jump in. But like the vessel itself, if that's like a five hundred dollar proposition, let's say, or goes down to two hundred dollars, you buy that to play the game, and you can play the game for a few years, then you sell it. Maybe it depreciates. Maybe you sell it for one hundred fifty down the line. You basically paid fifty dollars for you know a few years of a game. That that's no different than buying a normal game. That's an interesting model switch, but. I just don't know. The idea of being able to sell stuff back is great. I just, people get mad. I just, I keep saying like, no one's giving me a compelling reason that this is going to hold value. And I'm not concerned about Yuga. People are like, you think Yuga's going to suck? No, I, they're bringing in the CEO from Blizzard and Activision. I think they could be wildly successful. I just don't think that, you know, Yuga's success is necessarily synonymous with the holder success who are picking up deeds and things and Gucci pendants at this price. I just don't know. I'm not saying it won't be. But uh, but nobody's giving me like a compelling reason to think why it might be because uh, I, I think point... I might I think I might have a, a a reason there but keep keep going. No, I was just gonna say like I was gonna wrap and say Dow's point there, which is thirty five forty year old people making six figures aren't the one playing these video games. They just can't they can't spend the time. They can't swing it. Um, they can't make it happen. And like I, again, I play video games like three times a week with my brother. 
my son would play with his friends all day every time he has off, but there's no way my son's getting in a game for this sort of cost unless he's, I mean, I let him play on my behalf, but that's going to be completely out of the norm. So, um, James, give me the value and then we can go back to doubt. But I, I agree with doubt. Well, if an option that they may be forced to do is they could look at this as a third PFP that would start to give the same kind of value that exists within the apes and, and the mutants. That's a possibility to be able to hold the price and or raise if if they do that. They might have to. I don't even they've got to do something, right? And the reason being is if if what you and Dow say is true, they're in a really big conundrum uh, in, in terms of like what they're gonna end up doing because the you know if that's the case, they really should be honest uh, earlier than later because what they're doing essentially is they're allowing people to trade these things at a value that they know is massively inflated and that will come to light if it is the case. So they might be forced to create value that um, they didn't consider before. So that that's my thought. Like that's one thing they could do. Are they going to do that? I don't know. You as an ape, like how would you feel if they, if they did that? Right. I, like, I feel rugged as fuck is what I would feel. Right. Like. I mean, that, so that's because that's, they basically okay. said that wasn't going to happen. So it's funny when you're saying it, I was about to be like, you do realize what this means, James. Like, oh, it, it would 100%. be... 100%. It would, 100%. Because yeah. I think that part of it is, is that people are buying these things based on the idea. They're saying, like, hey, like, we think that these are going to have... Like, I've heard people say, these are going to have utility in the game, I think. And I'm like, why would you think that? What's made you think that? Because they've never... I mean, utility and, I think, IRL utility. Sorry, I mean, people are saying they think it would have IRL utility. I'm like, these people aren't getting the A-Fest, I don't think. It's, it's, this is not what people think it is. And I just worry about people's, um, now, yeah. Now, hold on. They did move A-Fest to its own thing, which means, which means a couple things, right? A, it's going to be its own thing as it should be. But B, they're going to have a lot more flexibility and a lot more room to host a larger event. So it could mean that. I don't think that proposition is completely off the table, given the fact that they did move Apefest to its own thing. So that's the only reason why part of me thinks, well, that's still a possibility. That's not completely off the table because now they don't have to worry about some of the things that they worried in the past. I mean, that that's, that's one good possibility as to why they did that, but I, I can't, you know, nobody knows for sure. Nobody has any idea. Um, but that's just my thought. Ape or uh, uh, Dow, do you have any, kind of context around that or anything to add? Well, I think one of the problems with Ape Fest and you needing it to stand alone is that those festivals traditionally, you know, they lose their shock factor every year. The first one's great. The second one's even better, right? And then they traditionally go worse and worse and worse and they get a little diluted and watered down. So I think to do a standalone conference or a party or whatever you want to call it, you don't have any comparison, right? You don't have to worry about someone coming out of from left field and they only had 500 people there, but they absolutely smashed it. So... I think that that has a lot to do with it. Um, I do see them. There's a lot of money to be made in equipment rental and, and stuff like that. You know, the trussing, the lights, the speakers, all the cabling. So, like, I could see Yuga absolutely purchasing their own package and, and going in that route and kind of trying to do, like, a festival-type deal for Web3 people. I just don't know why they would want to do that. Very few companies are successful in that. You see monopolies like Live Nation really taking over because they own the gear, right? So, like, they're getting very cheap rentals on it so their margins are better they're able to do bigger festivals they're going to have vitamin water sponsoring stuff and taking a lot of the cost out so like 
I don't know why ApeFest would leave NFT NYC other than they were worried about just diluting the product and like not having anything to compare it to. <clears throat> but I really raised my hand to just talk about how difficult it would be to monetize a space on your own in the other side. So like you take Steve and Cap, they got about 500 customers every single day. They have PFPs that are ready to go in that specific metaverse. And uh, just even building the desk and the microphone in there for that 3D models, for them to have like the look that they're doing a live show with coffee, like that's such a monumental undertaking for the average individual. And then you would be reliant on tips and people paying for your product in the space. I understand the buy up front and you have web server access like in perpetuity. And I do think there's value there, but like, I don't understand extracting value along the way without having to sell. And that's a real problem I'm getting into with NFTs now is like, I don't want to sell out of these communities, but at the same time, you'd like to get a little something out, you know, um, almost like a dividend. So how they're going to do that, I don't know. I just know that like a regular person is going to have a lot of trouble even doing basic building in those metaverses unless they have like, you know, a dummy proof click and shoes. And then again, everything's going to look the same. It's going to be very hard to stand out. So I do think it's a, there's a crossroad there. I'm excited to see what the building of these 3D environments look like for the average person. Because you can't just go in and start building in an SDK builder now. I think the word. Did he rug? He's rugging a little bit at the end there. There he goes. He's back. He's back. Yeah, I'm back. No. My wife's me. Sorry. Yeah, like I said, it's you can't even just go in there and start building in SDK because um, it's hard to do. So they don't let you just go in. Now, did you just hang up on your wife to talk yeah, to us? Yeah, I'll call her back. Well, she's telling me is where the hell did I go with the dog? Um, so like I said, you can't just go in there and sign up. If we all wanted to get on right now, um, you can't go in there because you need to have some sort of sources and they're looking to make sure nobody's stealing their IP. So like you can't even get a jump on it as a regular person. I just don't understand how regular people can profit without selling your other deed. Yeah. I think it's all good points. And again, that's where like, I think a lot of people like I'm again, I'm aligned with you. And I know there's a lot of people who take like other side very seriously. And, but I'm also probably on the wrong side of like, I do like some level of like mystery building and lore building, but I don't like it to the degree they're doing it. Like I, I personally, other people, totally cool. They want to be along for the ride for all this stuff. And they say, I don't care. There's a surprise around every corner. For me, it becomes these speculative market trades, right? It's, it's, and it's, it's the things I don't love about this space that like the average video game player isn't going to be like, I don't know what I'm buying. Let me spend a thousand dollars and then we'll see what happens. It might go to 7,000 or it might go to zero. Like it's just, so to me, like I like knowing what things are. And the selective release of it is great for like business, but, and I know people who will defend it because Cap will say like, I love being along for that ride. And I like not knowing, I don't want to know everything. And it's like, it's not that I want to know everything. Like when I watch Game of Thrones, while I, which last two seasons sucked, but before the last two seasons, when I watch Game of Thrones, it's this epic show. And yes, I don't know the plots that are coming up and I'm surprised, but I get the characters and where they fit into the universe and what they're doing. And I, that's the thing that I guess is differentiating to me is people are like, well, this is part of the storytelling. I'm like, but storytelling involves like backstories you can understand, not like. They're not really telling a story, though, to your point. Right, exactly. So it's like if you tell me all these things fit in, like, I mean, how many people would go say, I'm going to go buy a video game. Up front, it's going to cost me five to ten thousand dollars to get involved with it, maybe even more. And then I'm not sure exactly what the pieces do or how it works. And I know we're building it as we go. So it's part of the beta. And maybe they just don't know yet, right? And maybe that's part of what they're figuring out. 
but not having the plan sort of laid out for me personally is, is a tougher thing versus I know there are people who are great to be along for the ride more than happy and say, let them cook. They got time. They got great people. And maybe they're figuring it out or adjusting, but that part's tough for me. But, um, any case, I'll go back to, uh, I, Eugene. I agree with that. We'll, we'll go, we'll go to Matthew here in a second, but here's the thing, Steve, that I do agree with, with, with you. You can still tell a really good story and not give away the ending is what you're, what you're in essence trying to say. And we're not really being told the story we're, we're, we know the characters, we don't know how they fit in. We don't know the overall, you know, plot really, I, I, I guess. And the, the only thing I'll say, and I'm not going to be one of those guys that like pounds the timeline and says it's too confusing. But with that said, they are adding a lot into the, the, the whole thing without very little knowledge of how anything fits together. So it's like, I would say stop adding shit and like, let's get a little of the storytelling going. And I don't think anybody's going to care as long as we start to understand there's just, they just, it seems like there's another, every time I turn around, it's like, Oh my God, now this ecosystem is, is part of this ecosystem. And, and these people are involved and now Nakamigos might be involved. Like it's just, Holy shit. How, like you're building something so massive that it's either going to go one of two ways. It's going to be outstanding or it's going to fucking crash and burn epically um, because it's just not going to come together the way that they want. But that's just my two cents. Matthew, come on. I think overall with the situation and a lot of the building in Web3 in general right now, no one's starting small. Like, I think everyone's trying to write war and peace without ever doing like the baseline of like, the hungry caterpillar. Like, we need to be able to start at a baseline that is a building point and i think everyone's trying to build out these huge ass worlds and try and really enter in and compete with the gaming sector and you know that interoperability won't happen for a long time and i think the gaming development is just one track to look at but what really is going to be a fundamental shift for web3 is how we utilize events and i think that you know one of the biggest issues with a lot of these events is you know, being able to get to them or location or the time of day or whenever it is. And I think being able to use Web3 as a means of having live events, but also being able to access the event days after and be able to even see like ghost people dancing around it as they were at the live event to give you that kind of experiential like that. That's really where the shift is going to go into this experiential um, music predominantly being the focus, because if we're looking at how a lot of these companies are developing, they're looking towards the music industry and how those KOLs are moving and shifting in the space to really develop. Because honestly, the music sector right now and how the musicians use their clout and their visual slash auditory meanings, it's really shifting how Web3 could be enacted and interacted within. I like the thought there in general. Like, I think that's like a good, like, kind of like thought of like how, like, it's funny how you like, I love how you put it too. It's like, perfect. You're like, these people are trying to build war and peace instead of just like kind of hitting the basics and actually building great foundations, which I think is so true. And I think that idea of like interactivity in the metaverse and experience is something that we probably can potentially, you know, lean into harder as like and that's what's so interesting of watching me think these things unfold i also think the metaverse is a select thing like when you talk about music concerts or other things that people go into it's like 
don't know why I said music concerts. I'm not sure what other type of concert there would be, but that is what it is, I guess. Um, like Web3 Pong. Where the fuck is that? Like, give us something on that level. Like, I don't need to go to an entire interactive mall right now. But what I would like to do is be able to play Pong with my friends over a distance. Yeah. Well, and like the idea of like having bragging right, right rewards that are like on the blockchain, that, that's cool with me too, right? And yeah, I mean, like Web3 Pong, like that's an easy one. That's why like Dookie Dash was fun to me. It's like, or the Mo- Apes vs. Mutants mobile game. It's like, it's simple. We're playing. We're all competing. It's cool. Take that to the next level and let's have a little bit of fun. Because um, yeah, I mean, and that's a lot of the games I think that are, are smart that are being built on the blockchain, which I think have an opportunity to tip. You know, like I've talked about, there's a game called Pirate Nation I play, which is like, I literally click buttons a few times a day. That's all it requires. Show up. I get a certain amount of energy. I click buttons. It's like Farmville. But they recently introduced like, little boat battles not against each other yet but against like a computer and it's like oh i can do a little boat battle cool all right dope and then i'll like click and earn my things and build my things and that's honestly that's about the amount of time i have as a human to play games as a 39 year old dad with two kids and like you know a wife and and a job um several i don't know so that's i I agree like give me the easy stuff instead of like and i think i I appreciate you guys building something ambitious and i don't want to like knock that or critique it because you should be building ambitious stuff. But yeah, like there are little things you can do in the metaverse that would be a little bit simpler to approach. Um, let's go, let's go down to Joshua and then we'll go over to Dow. Um, I was just going to comment on the Pong thing. That's exactly the idea behind Rec Room. Um, and they became a unicorn in like 12 months or I don't know. It was a pretty short amount of time starting in VR, which is even more impressive. Uh, but now, you know, you can play it on flat screen or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really surprising to me that, um, that like metaverse builders don't take more of that perspective because, um, I think it makes a lot of sense to think about creating, um, you know, like what some people a few years ago would call a third space, I think is what the phrase is. And um, trying to find ways to like bring people together around an activity or something engaging to do and then kind of socializing in the middle of that. I think there's a lot of value there and it can be a way to bring people together and get them to stick around and, you know, get them to come back. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there. And um, regarding like Yuga doing kind of multiple multiple worlds. I do think that um, NFTs, like in a basic sense to me um, and to a lot of other people in the game space, there's an aspect of NFTs that don't really make sense for games because games are so ephemeral um, on average, at least they don't last very long. But if you had games, if you had multiple games under your own house and then you sold an NFT in a game, now it's a lot more interesting or alternatively, you know, if you're a um, uh, Fortnite, of which, you know, there's only a few of those. But if you're a Fortnite where people just spend all their time anyway, um, that makes sense as well. But yeah, I think for most people, really, um, most developers or publishers or whatever, they're going to need multiple properties in which to, like, use the NFTs in between the different games or experiences or whatever. So I do think that like having multiple worlds or multiple properties or however you want to think about it um, is a good strategy. Do, do you not also think that Josh said that the, the overall um, kind of theme and purpose of the game needs to be shifted from like 
I was in a space the other day and somebody was like, oh, all of these play to earns is like it should be play to win. And I'm like, well, first of all, every game for the most part is you're trying to win. However, when you think of things like Sims, right, um, or some of these games that, to your point, uh, World of Warcraft, things like that, that have stood the test of time and have, and have lasted, it's because the purpose there isn't necessarily to win, but but to build and and to grow over time. Um, and to really have sort of an economy and, and all of these things set up. I, I think if the purpose of the game is more directed to that, and that goes back to what Dow was talking about earlier, don't you think then that that having too much can be, I don't know, I, I just think that, I, I feel like we're getting thrown so many things at this point. Um, yeah, I guess I guess to Steve's point, what Cap said earlier, I guess we just got to see it unfold, but I don't know. It almost, it almost seems like too much at this point. That's that's what I'm trying to figure out. Can I say something? So there, I hang with the game people, right? The Web3 game because I was helping a friend. And there are like other models. They're like play to earn, play to learn, play to win, play to play to build or whatever. So it's like a, a bunch of different models out there that they're kind of, I think they're just trying to figure shit out now, right now. I think it's the beginning. And all these companies are trying to figure shit out. And you, ha- you even have some people who don't even say anything about NFTs or anything used on their platform. They just create the game. So you're going to see uh, kind of that shift on in gaming. But there are there are games that are being played. I didn't even know that some of these blockchain games were being played like that. But people play them. And there's discords full of people. You got to go explore. Yeah, there, there's, there are a lot of different blockchain games. Super interesting ones with different mechanics, too. I mean, DraftKings is a blockchain game that I think is interesting, um, which is, like, uh, a big company and how they're doing it. Um, you know, not just them, but um, I, I think when you look at, like, you know, Axie Infinity was a big one. That was sort of this play-to-earn that worked out pretty well, and, and that was an interesting one. And, you know, there's other... Even, like, Play Swoops, which I don't play, which is this basketball league where you sort of manage a basketball team... A lot of people played that. That was pretty cool. And it was, um, and they actually have a whole fatigue factor built in. It's, it's pretty dope. So I think like there's a lot of different types of, um, you know, games that are being built on the blockchain still that people aren't paying attention to, which are great. Um, but yeah, like I, I, and like I said, Pirate Nation, it's still in beta, but we're messing around with it and figuring it out. They just bridged over to Arbitrum. So been trying to figure that out so I can actually buy some stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been um I don't know it's it, there are different things out there. But go ahead, Josh. I saw your hand go back up before we go back to Dow as, as you were talking to James. Yeah, just to address the question, I I definitely see what you're saying, and it it kind of bugs me that there are um there's a lot of uh, kind of like VC type plays in terms of like um, companies that are trying to build a very, very generic metaverse platform that's like everything to everyone. And um, in, you know, investment, uh, whether that's like from a business standpoint or like thinking about adopting a platform or, you know, investing your time or whatever, um, it's like, it's kind of like a um, ill-advised, I guess I should say, it's ill-advised that you try to like build something that's everything for everyone. So I definitely see what you're saying. Um, But yeah, it's just really hard. I think like making a game that's fun and engaging is extremely difficult. It's like completely um, uncertain the entire time until all of a sudden it works. So it just, it feels like you're just wandering in the dark. It's a very, 
crazy and to some people terrifying <laughs> endeavor. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, you might want to make it multiplayer, then that's like 10 times harder. And then you want to like add in some kind of marketplace or whatever, and then it's even harder. So yeah, I think it is like, it's really, really ambitious. Um, and, but sometimes like some people just want to take the strategy of making the generic platform. But if you look at uh, the biggest metaverse player in the space um, easily, which is Roblox, it took them like over 10 years. It's just insane, like over 10 years to get to an actual um, momentum moment, you know, where it's like, oh, this is actually a significant platform. And uh, they just had to like grind it out for a really, really long time. So maybe that's what Yugo wants to do. I don't know. Or otherwise, maybe they're like trying to find ways to reuse like kind of building blocks. I don't know. But yeah, I do think it's really ambitious. Yeah, I don't I don't have 10 years to realize the value of my coda. So they better figure something something else other than that. Um, Dow, come on in with uh, with something here. But I, I'll get back on, in a minute, Josh. I had some other comments. But Dow, come on in. Yeah, so just real quick on that Roblox point, um, you know, one of the things that they are as a competitor in Minecraft is they're open source. So, like, in Minecraft, you got to go in there or Fortnite and you play their suggested games. In Roblox, creators can go in there and kind of build anything. So, like, that is kind of their shtick as a competitor. That is something we know that the other side is not doing. It's not just going to be open source like that. But I'm just back to the different ways that you could extract right so like i've know of star atlas and parallel alpha there's all these major major quote-unquote major players in the gaming industry coming into web3 and most of those models were like DAOs were chipping in and buying spaceships because they were going to have you were going to have to pay in the native token to take the spaceship from planet to planet and it was going to become like a business but again we all know that all that stuff is not going to be legal more than likely based on the sec and their rulings so I don't understand where the pivot went. And we had all this speculative market of like these people paying, like, I think they spent $5 million was the top on some spaceship in Star Atlas. And then you fast forward and Star Atlas left a whole bunch of money in Solana and they got fucking liquidated really badly. So I don't know how that Web3 ownership model translates because all the successful games that have the traffic, they rent right yeah, now and they're not interested. I agree. In, I don't know if we lost out there on a rug or not, uh, but um, it seemed like he was done. Uh, no, he was still talking, talking about it. So I that's think... good. Um, no, I, I agree. I... Oh, wait, there he goes. Did I lose him? Yeah, it's all good. Like I said, no, it's all good. But like I said, they, they lease right now and they do just fine. These are some of the most successful companies in the world. Why would the people with traffic change their business model that's successful to an ownership model? Because that's the only way that you can make money in this Web3 gaming space is you own and eventually you sell Greater Fool's Theory to someone else for hire. So, the lease model is there with the traffic. I don't understand the, the incentive for big companies to shift over. Now, if Yuga has the access, like I said, hey, you buy this deed and you no longer have to pay subscription fees to web services or to whatever hidden costs are beyond for data service mining and stuff like that. So, like, maybe then, but what is that worth and what does that cost? If you pay $30,000 for, for another deed, you better have something subscribed on that server for long enough to get that money out of there. So... That's just kind of where my head's at with it until the SEC comes in. Yeah, it, it, there has to. 
Sorry, no, you keep rugging. I was like, and you keep rugging at a point when you're actually, it sounds like you've made like a banger point. Like you'll make this like banger point and then there's a silence. I'm like, oh, he must be done. And then like, it's it's kind of rugging through. But, I, you know, I, I think your overarching point makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, that's that's something that is like, there has to be a value-based tipping point for these brands, like these these sort of companies like Sony and others to say, yes, we want to offer NFTs or we want to switch our model. Like, I anticipate Sony will probably start with some sort of a small test of some sort, like where they will say like, buy the, like almost like, God, I'm trying to think of like what the, it's almost like a, like a DraftKings model, right? I think DraftKings is setting a really interesting model on Polygon. You don't have to pay to enter contests. You just have to buy packs of cards. Those packs of cards have different randomizations in them, or you can buy them on the open market. And when you play each week, you could buy or sell your cards, but every contest is free. They just have prize pools associated with them based on their PL that they've made on, you know, pack sales and all that stuff. Um, they also did deals with like NFT brands and gave away things like, you know, friggin' like Cap Cap won a was it a pudgy penguin or a sappy seal or something? Maybe a sappy seal in one of those things or something. No, cool cat. He won a cool cat. Um, I was just going down the cute until I finally got there. But I think that's an interesting model that they can try. Cause because to your point, they almost have to flip a traditional model that works. To say like yes, I am. I want to make this switch because of your Xbox or you know, Bored Elon again, smart video game guy has made the comment that like he thinks this is the last generation we'll see of consoles because it doesn't matter. Like the portability of games. When my son plays, you know, my um, my whether well whether he's playing Minecraft or whether he's playing uh, Fortnite, there's a person on a PlayStation, a person on a computer, and a person on an Xbox, and it doesn't matter. So that portability is already there. But the concept of like, you know, similarly, like pay for an asset to play in the game and that gets you into the game. You could sell that asset later could be interesting, but the model needs to be proved out. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting conversation. I, I did want to say, though, I did want to get like, I guess, from the fashion people on the stage, the take on this sort of like uh, brand pairing. I think Gucci's interesting, but like a brand pairing of like Gucci saying we have this necklace of this coda. And you get this necklace that represents something you own. And I, I think, again, I, I heard, saw the estimate. And somebody said like a $500 was what they were guessing. And it's like $2,000 to buy it. But you also get an in-game. And the idea of those physical digital pairings, whether they have in-game utility or not, and is that a trend we'll see? And will it matter? Is it like a digital flex? Will people be putting outfits together that work? I, I don't know. I want to toss that out to kind of anybody on the panel who's more fashionable than me. So... So explain what you mean by that. Like, will people digitally flex their outfits and pair pair different things together? Um, like, like well, for, what I'm asking. Go ahead. Yeah, like sort of, sort of what I'm asking is like, you know, the, the idea that like, you know, a Gucci, a like, there will be all levels from you know who, like, you know, Gucci through you know Ralph Lauren to whoever can say we're going to either have a quest for this shirt or we're going to like sell this to you. There's going to be a piece you can wear because as far as I know, the Gucci is only available on the other side. Like will it be portable to other metaverses or things like that. Like, I think that that concept is interesting, but I'm curious, like this is one of the first major ones we've seen where it's like Gucci's going all outside of Roblox, like Roblox again, to Josh's point, Roblox is the goat, right? They're really good at all this stuff. But I just wonder if we're going to see this model play out at the higher end in the metaverses or if it's going to be like, Nah, I think it's going to run dry and like two, people are going to regret spending $2,000 for a Gucci necklace with no utility. 
I, I think that all depends on daily active users, right? If thousands upon thousands of people are in there every day, they're walking around, there's an economy, um, you know, there's... there's it's more there's so a, the passive users. It, well, the active right. users are great, but the numbers for the passive users are the ones that are going to really set the market in a different scale. Well, I just mean from a perception standpoint, right? Like I'm a, I'm a consumer, I'm a user. I'm, just, I'm talking about from the consumer. If I see a lot of action and a reason for me to to want to flex, people are going to do that. But Steve brought up a good point, and Matthew, I'll go to you after this um, to chime in on this. Is it going to be interoperable, right? Because then it means I can take that high value item that I that I love to don here into other environments, right? That probably adds more value from a consumer perspective because it's like okay, like I, I can I can rock this wherever I want to go. And there are environments where I think this would be awesome. If you cannot, I, I don't, I don't, it all depends on like, how, is it, how does the consumer perceive where they're wearing this and what's going on there? Like, is there enough there for them to feel like it's a flex? Matthew, I don't know if you had anything to add there. I think that's going to be the biggest issue with, you know, interoperability on a global scale, because I think you can do this regionally with smaller projects and with smaller environments. But I think when you're thinking on a global scale, especially with these larger brands and who they're really marketing to, I, I don't think you're going to see them really investing in a full build out in one specific world. They're going to look at which ones are trending when and where. So I think it's going to bounce between, you know, whatever niche is trending and whoever they have an in-house uh, in with to be able to collaborate. I mean, a lot of what you guys are talking about is like the Tiffany Punks collaboration and how, you know, we've seen that kind of enter into the space. Yeah, it, it doesn't apply to, you know, an interactive environment. And I think you're going to see that, you know, investigation and evolution more and more, but it's going to stay niche. I mean, you've had these kind of playable objects in The Sims, you've had them in World of Warcraft. So it's not new in the idea of what it can be. I, I just don't think you're going to have a viable singular world that everyone's going to want to interact in yet. And I think there's too many options right now without any, you know, attainable solidity for any of them in a way that's for the people that have the money to spend on, say, a Gucci paralleled bag or something. You know, that market is small. And I think you're not going to see that kind of investment in the space for a while. You know what I think is interesting about that? And this is an argument that I had uh, a while back with some long, super long time ago. I was of the, I was cut from the cloth of inevitably everything becomes tokenized. And the reason why my argument was that was because it adds more value, right? Like let's say I buy a Gucci, um, whatever, a, a hoodie, uh, a, a shoes, that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. Slides, Gucci that, slides are the alpha. We'll go with slides. There, there you go. Let's go with slides, right? I got, I have these slides. I can wear them IRL, but I can carry that flex with me in my digital world that I do spend time with. Am I spending an exorbitant amount of time there? No, but it's immutable. It's mine. And you can't fake that in that environment. And therefore I say that provides more value to the item than, you know, five years ago when that wasn't even an option, right? Like, you didn't even have the possibility of doing that. So to your point, Matthew, I, I think that they've got to solve that because I think that there's a ton of value that that's that's there um, to bite into. But but yeah, that's why I think like I, I do. I see all these brands. They should tokenize 
pretty much everything, Steve. <laughs> Steve's funny. Um, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to say to your point, though, honestly, like when I would answer Matthew's point, Matthew's point about scalability is such a good one where like if nobody is if 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 you're looking at a ghost town, nobody gives a shit what you're wearing, right? It's like a tree falls in the forest. Like if I walk in the biggest flex metaverse, like wearing my Gucci chain and my Gucci slides and all these things. And I walk in like to the nines and I look around and then just a, you know, fucking tumbleweed runs by nobody cares. So I think like, there's like a importance to having yourself uh, actually have scale and scalability. That's actually, you know what an interesting wrinkle to this is? And this is where KYCing is going to come into play. Because some people hate KYCing, and I see the value in it because you can target people in a unique way and, you know, call, create two-way value through an NFT um, for a variety of reasons. I think that, you know, if you're willing to KYC or put in more information, let's say you buy this Gucci chain and they ask you for the same way when you fill out social things. Imagine when you do it, they're like, okay, you bought this Gucci thing. Put in your Roblox name, put in your address for sandbox put in your address like all those different things then they could deliver that in all the different forms instead of making one nft that is total portability and, and i think that that's interesting because when you talk about the scalability problem like i'm not you know my kids aren't paying freaking two thousand dollars or something but if it's like you know a hundred bucks and they want to work really hard and earn it and go rake leaves and do all these things and they pay a hundred bucks or something and it shows up in their roblox their minecraft their um you know their their fortnite that to me is very interesting and they could actually make differentiation versions if you're just willing to put that information in until the portability problem is solved with interoperability. So I find that to be more interesting if you're willing to give more information um, because then you do get it everywhere and then other side has a reason to say, yeah, we scaled it here, but you can wear it there too. So wherever you're hanging out with your friends, it's like you rock your sweet, you know, your sweet, uh, sweet, I don't and, know, clothes. And that, and, and that could be, a, that could be like, those items become keys to get into certain environments that other people can't get into. That's why I think it's, that's why I just see everything becoming tokenized eventually in, in terms of um, a, a lot of consumer products, especially apparel, especially um, everything related to kind of fashion. It just makes sense for a variety of reasons. Stacky, why are you raising your hand? I don't know. Because um, you said KYC and it's, there's so many other ways that people don't know so many other ways to KYC. Like, you can do it through your social media. You know, you can log in. <clears throat> you already gave them your information. Shit, your birthday and all that. Yeah, that's fine. You already gave these companies all that damn information. But, uh, yeah, you can log in through another social media platform. I think Gitcoin was actually one of the people who, where I saw um, you logging into multiple social media accounts, um, helps, helps, uh, helps them understand you more. And helps them realize that you're a real person. So, you know, there's other ways to do it besides giving me your social. Yeah. You know yeah. I, I like I like that you mentioned the other ways to to do that for sure. Cause I think it's like people think KYC is like giving your tax information and it's not necessarily that. It's it's sometimes it's you connect your social and you've already kind of got that third direction into it. Go ahead, James. I James, I saw you come off mute, sorry. No, no, no. I, well, a couple things. A, I do want to get back to the KYC thing. I do want to ask you, Steve, why, if we remember, like, the whole other side thing started with a KYC process. We do need to go back to that, and it probably plays into what Dow said. I think the monkey uh, wrench, um, pardon the pun, got thrown into this whole process um, because I think they really did start out that way, wanting to do what, what Dow had said. Um, but now I think it's – I honestly think behind – if we were to get a peek behind the veil – it, it might be chaotic 
um, and we just don't realize that. Um, because I do think this was supposed to go in one direction and now they're, they're completely pivoting. Josh, by the way, you had your hand up, went down. Did you want to chime in on there? I didn't want to pass over you. No, no, I'm good. Thank you though. No, no, no worries. Um, so Steve, I do want to get back to that in a minute, but, uh, Dow, come on in. Yeah. Just quick thought while you guys were talking, it popped in my head. If they did start making their NFTs interoperable, However, the purchasing of them can only be done through your other deed and actually going into the other side and doing it. There would be some value for holders there, right? Because you could then go purchase them for a discounted price and flip them in other metaverses for more money. So I do think that you do have some value there for holders to return to them if there is. But again, you got to spend money to make money on that. And we know people here just like the MIM airdrops. So just a thought, if you did do interoperable NFTs, but you only made purchase allowed to other side holders and more exclusive like that, you do give a, a chance for people to use, sell, or do what they want with their stuff, but that's a lot of work to do interoperable. Yeah, exactly. And and back back to my so that's very interesting, actually. Now. But back to what I was saying before, why did they do that, Steve? Do you know, did they give a context as to why the other side drop was completely was supposed? Anyway, it was it's kind of weird. They never thought about secondary. I, I don't think. I don't know why. But the initial uh, of that was. KYC, am I correct in that? Or was that only Wait, for overseas people? Repeat, I'm, 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 not, I'm not tracking the question. You're trying to make the KYC part of it? I, I totally, sorry, I, I wasn't There was a whole KYC thing for people purchasing uh, or claiming other deeds, and it was a big debacle, if I remember correctly. You had people, like, scanning passports and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't remember why they did it specifically to buy. I think I didn't know. I don't know if it had to do with what they expected from the ape coin or anything like that. So actually, I honestly don't know. That's a great question as to like what the. I um, I think. Yeah, I think it was to do what Dow said. I think the codas were supposed to be. They didn't know who's going to get the coda. Right. But it doesn't matter. Somebody's going to get them. So you got to KYC everybody, because if there's going to be value provided back monetarily, um, that's part of the process of my understanding of the SEC that you've got to have these people's information. You cannot do that without it because they're going to get their money from somebody, right? So they want to know who. Um, but now I think to Dow's point, I, I think it's, I, I honestly think that it is way more discombobulated than they're giving off and they're trying to write the story as they go. That's why I really wish we didn't have so many different things thrown at us right now because it's, it, to me, I don't care. Like, kind of the cat's point, kind of along for the ride, but they're definitely not storytelling, um, and and they're leaving these conversations to be open, um, which actually creates a lot more a lot more chaos, I think, for them in the long run than to just start really telling some of that story a little bit better. Uh, but Dal, come on. Yeah, and real quick, I think that's why you're seeing so many communities get added, right, through 10KTF, because you need to fill this land, and they thought they were going to need to have this busy ecosystem in there. So I like that, especially now you see the train waits for no one. I think that that train was on course. They had these agreements with X, Y, and Z, and um, that's kind of what you're seeing now. You know, dead fellas and um, mutant hounds and all these people, they're going to need more people in the ecosystem. So I do think 10KTF is that extension of like, hey, we need some native people to start thing off. Eventually, yes, we hope we have a million people in here. However, right now we'll be happy with 40,000 throughout 26 different communities would be more than enough to start. So just my thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's, I think it's, I think they are telling it a little bit. And I think the people who say this, like call certain things in this space, I'm not saying everybody and I'm not making a sweeping statement. I'm saying there are certain circumstances when people say, 
oh, it's just good storytelling and they don't know what storytelling is or they're just like really using that term loosely. You know, it's just you see people who are just like, hey, it's storytelling because like, I mean, even with this one, I I get it. Like, well, actually, I'm not even going to go into the examples because I don't want to disparage people. But like, I, I just generally feel like there is a misconstrued uh, point of view about what storytelling is and isn't sometimes. And people are like, Oh, it's storytelling. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Um, because storytelling involves story. Uh, and so what they're doing with like trial of Jimmy, the monkey. Awesome. But like, just cause like a big, um, sort of dragon comes up at the end of the other side thing after we do like a completely unrelated, you know, quest together, like, that's not story. I mean, that's just showing something really bad at ass that's cool. Like, it's unrelated. Like, it's like I'm watching a music video that just has random shit popping up, and I'm like, that's cool. But, like, storytelling is, to me, what they're doing with Trial of Jimmy the Monkey, right? They're telling a story, the key, it went somewhere, and now they have the next section, now they're doing the summoning. That is storytelling. And while we don't know what everything does in that, we don't know what the key does outside of unlocking a blocks and what it gets, we at least know directionally where it's going. And, and I think that that's a massive difference I've, kind of personally noticed in, in the storytelling in those two particular things, but um, it's, go ahead, yeah. it's the difference between Easter eggs and storytelling. They're confusing Easter eggs with storytelling. It's like, yeah, they're dropping all of these hints, but there's no, there's no cohesive story. Actually, that's the other part of it that, that I particularly don't like. I'm not like, once again, not confused. I just don't like the uncohesiveness of like, it feels like there's multiple stories um, kind of going on or, or, or multiple things going on at the same time. Um, Cause like I said, not necessarily a story. And I, I just don't know, what leads into what, what's connected to what exactly. Um, and then the, the, the shit that, that happened, I, I don't, I don't like the, I don't like the Nakamigos thing that they just did. Whatever, whatever it means. Oh, wow. Did Nakamigos get James? Uh, no, James I faded the Nakamigos and they came for him. I, I, I just, am He's I right? Not rugged? me. Or am I rugged? Am I, who's rugged? It's nobody. Steve, Steve, um, I have really close friends. Like a, Leslie has a Nakamigos. They're, uh, you know, I faded them hard, you know, and they're teasing me. But at the same time, like, so what? You're going to zero, you know? So, um, yeah, there's like a war between friendships here, you know. Uh, oh, shit. You say, some... you say Nakamigos three times and Riggs pops out of nowhere and comes up on stage. <laughs> yeah, not only that, like, not only that, James, I want you to finish your thought, but it's funny just because you're like, I don't agree with the whole Nakamigos thing. And then you completely went silent. And it's like, I, oh, man, all I was these saying fuckers like, are I, everywhere. I don't mm-hmm. like. I don't I don't like what just happened that possibly tied them to and then no context. Like there's too there's there's too much of that going on, man. And I think right now, like people are it's weird. I feel like more of an edge now than than ever before with people. Like almost like they're kind of fed up. It's like enough is enough. Like we love what you do, but just be straightforward with shit and let us know because you're playing with people's money. And, and it's kind of comical to, to people at this point and not, not a lot of other people. Um, so I don't, I don't like it. Like, just be straightforward. Like, are you involved or are you not involved? And, and just let us know. So that way people know and they can make choices with their money beyond that. Yeah, before we go to Riggs, I have to do this, just knowing that, uh, you know, Riggs is coming in. And I can only assume he's coming in with some hot takes. So Riggs, you know, I know it's not necessarily your go-to, but... Uh... <laughs> Steve, check what I had ready. Oh, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You were coming in with it? 
I had it absolutely ready to go. That's fantastic. That is a fucking amazing Riggs. Go ahead. That's that's so good. <laughs> oh man, that's perfect. When you said hold on for a second, I was like, is he gonna do it? You absolutely nailed it. No, this Nakamigos does stuff is absolute trash. Uh quite honestly, the last few days has put me on my heels. I'm kind of done with shit right this second where I think it's irresponsible the way that they're going about it. Yuga's the biggest company in this space, and you basically just pumped a 15-day-old project. And sure, they probably know who's behind it. I don't care. It's not a good look, period. I think that they come out with a pseudonym. I don't care if you're doxxed or undoxxed. Come out and tell me who is behind this so that we can actually start to ask real questions about is this going to be just a community and vibes project? Because if so, cool. We know where those things will go. We've proven time and time again, things will pump up. The vibes will, the moment that, that graph starts to tick the other way, the vibes start to go away. And, and it's just the same thing. It's rinse and repeat. And I don't care we continue to say, why are we downing this? Let people have fun. M- NFT should be fun. They absolutely should. I totally get that. But should we not be wanting to go forward? This is straight out of the 2021 playbook, which is a regression of where we've been trying to take this thing and, and become more of a professional type of an industry. So I just think we're totally fucked. Uh, when we start letting these types of things, and I am absolutely, for those that don't know me, I am 100% biased as well just from the standpoint of there is one individual that I think is a dumber and less charismatic Ryan Carson uh, in this space. And so, and he is profiting and now he has a probably another 18 month runway to find his next scam that he can continue to dump on his followers. Like he does time and time again. So that's frustration. So yeah, absolutely wanted to come in with the stone cold. Yeah, but your bias, your bias is not unwarranted, uh, A, and B, your take is not unwarranted. Like, there's the, that's the other wrinkle in this whole thing that just, like, makes it, it's like, holy shit. Like, wh- how, how big is this ecosystem in this world? And, and is it, is, how do you support that? How, by the way, how many vessels are there? That's the other thing. Like, that's, are there 30,000? Are there, how, like, I claimed mine today, but I have no fuck clue that does. Then I heard from somebody that there's like 100,000 of those things. This is just getting way out of control. So I do think they have an onus and a responsibility to just be a little more transparent. Like that little teaser for me, I actually got, when I, first of all, I got pissed because I saw the way people were treating Steve, unwarranted, just totally not it's like you're not even paying attention to where it's coming from, or you've never, you've never paid attention to the individual second. Like why, why do it? That post was just dumb. I mean, it does nothing. Not people. It does nothing but cause people who don't know to go out and possibly spend their money on something that might end up next week being back down to point one because they're not transparent and it ends up being a, a joke or a meme. Somebody called it a meme. And I'm like, well, that's just a really irresponsible meme. <laughs> People are spending money based on that meme. So anyway, that's sorry. I'm 
I'm, I'm so, pretty spicy on that subject. Let's 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 just to level set the room on that one because it is like you know sort of you know related to sort of digital wearables in the metaverse. So for people who don't know, Nakamigos is a 10, 15 day old project. The anonymous founders, nobody knows what's going on with it, and they um, they've had a lot of sort of. They've had some people who, like Rig said, people had questions about who are leaders in that community. There's other people who are just like vibing with it, who just kind of are having fun with it. Um, the people who minted it were able to mint one for free. It was a free mint based on having this thing called Sartoshi's last something or other. I don't know. Was it involved? It was an MFR thing. The guy who founded MFRs was anonymous. Famously said, "I'm fading off into the into the sunset." Uh, here's my last piece. Pulled in a couple million on that last piece. Uh, who they, they let whoever owned one of those mint these things. Well, nobody knows the founder. People suspect it could be Sartoshi, and MFers are obviously a desirable CC0 community. These are CC0. Um, people suspected there was Yugo Labs involvement, which I thought was ridiculous. People suspected Beeple involvement, which I thought was ridiculous, until Beeple tweets about it. And I'm sitting there saying, well, Beeple just makes social commentary, which that's what it turned out it was. And then Yuga comes out, and 10KTF has a picture of them. And if they memed, that is extremely irresponsible, um, you know, because 10KTF is owned by Yuga. And if you meme, the price action that comes from that is a, to me, like you need to be thinking about what your, you as a business are going to do. And somebody there had to think these things are going to pump based on the fact that they're now legitimized by Yuga. Now to me, outside of a couple people in the community, like with, when it comes to like the Nakamigos, I'm just like, Hey, good, good for you. I know some people in there who are vibing. And actually on that post that I had, I know it was nice about them, but Super nice Nakamigo people. They were super nice. It was the other people who were assholes. But like, you know, for me, like, I was just like, good for them, happy for them. They are, I have zero of them. And the other thing that's funny is a nuance. I know this is like the personal story here, as you were mentioning how people were treating me. People were like, you bag pumper. And I mentioned I own no 10 KTF or no Nakamigo. So there's really no bag pumping to be had. Um, because honestly, anybody who knows me knows if I was playing it as a trade at that point, if I bought it the second, which I considered 10 KTF bought it, uh, tweeted about it. I would have bought it and sold it and never tweeted about it because I don't want to like pump and dump or make any sort of thing that's questionable out there. But I didn't, obviously I didn't buy or do any, I was just commentating on what I saw, but to your point, Yuga's legitimizing this, this group. And so some people are really upset as you heard from Riggs and James, I think Dow's point is really strong that they actually need people to be buying their shit. And so the partnership there, and, and again, Beeple didn't end up being involved because he had tweeted like, no, I'm not involved with this at all. But Beeple, we knew Labs, which is 10KTF. He sold to Yuga Labs. He's an advisor. He tweets about it. Two days later, Yuga and 10KTF, his company talks about it. Like there's weird connections there. And, you know, for them, it's like, again, I was like, good for them, whatever. It's cool. But like at the same time, yeah, like I, I, it's a 15 day old project, which is like an accomplishment, but it's like, I don't know, there's, there's, there's some questions about like the moves that they've made. I think that people have had, and, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not as bothered by it, but I know Riggs is. So I'll let, I'll let Riggs get back in and I'll go back down to Dow. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. I, I just hate when we lean more into the speculation side of this, which, which again, it, I think takes us a step backwards. What no one's really talking about as well, though, and the reason I question what this graphic was for are actually the two projects that are on the backpacks on the bench. No one is talking about crazy Carl. It's crazy Carl. It's crazy Carl. Yeah, it's crypto tats, uh, which which is cool. So I I just I wish they would just come out and tell us what the hell this is. Take Nakamigos out of it. 
when, when people are spending their money, I, I just think we make this more of a fucking casino every single day when we don't provide clarity and you don't have to tell us all exactly what it is. You can create some twisted game theory that ultimately still provides some speculation, but, but doesn't drive it to the point where people are spending thousands and thousands of dollars with unsure expectations of what they're buying and then say, Oh, sorry, do your own research. Well, that's not entirely fair when there's no research to be done. And so I just think that this was a bad decision. Yeah. Again, as I mentioned, I'm biased on it. Um, I hope they, well, this sounds terrible, but I hope they do go sub point one. I've got a one ETH bet on it. So let's go. Come on. Amazing. Dow, go ahead and get in here. So I agree 100%. You know, Yuga, especially now, they're doing these tweets. are like, this is the final tweet of the transmission. Go to Yuga News Only, and they're preaching safety, safety, safety. And then they put out these cryptic things like this and 10KTF. Like, those two ideals don't align, in my opinion. I do want to shout out Crypto Carl, though, because, like, he's been in 10KTF forever. And, uh, you know, they're trying to reward people in the community. So, like, that is awesome. However, I can't agree more. If you're going to be putting out these tweets, like, Hey, use one wallet. Let's be safe. We're practicing safety and security and blah, blah, blah. Like these speculative fuck it tweets are kind of, that's old meta. That's old ethos. I don't think that they should be doing stuff like that anymore. And they preach that they don't do that anymore on Yuga's page. But then when you go over the 10 KTF and it's like the exact opposite. So there is a lot of speculation. Is that saying that that guy's a rugger or a serial, you know, stealer, whatever the, the robber, um, but we don't know, right? Because, like, that is the whole thing with 10KTF. And even as, like, a 10KTF guy, I'm over it. You know, I sometimes I don't even look on Thursday. I'll just wait till Friday morning and catch the recap because I don't feel like getting dragged along for two and a half hours. Um, yeah, and then the other thing I wanted to shout out was, like, everyone gets so excited when these companies put out a little fucking cartoon video. Those things are not hard to do. In this day and age, every 20-year-old kid with a fucking iPad can do those things. Um, you saw it with the stupid train tweet from Wagme yesterday. Like, look at they put all this in, all this time and effort into this video. They got to mean something like that. They could do that in fucking twenty minutes. So people get a little too excited with that. I like yeah. That, yeah. Go ahead, games. Change Go go. No, no, no. I was just gonna. Uh, the the one thing I wanted to say uh, on that, Daz. By the way, like I have no problem with ten KTF at all. I, I just think that the size the size the company is getting, and, and the the amount of revenue that they've generated. It's just kind of poor form. It's it's poor form at this point. It's like you don't need it. Like you just don't need it. It's like not even you're you're doing the you're repeating the parlor trick that that kind of set the stage for you to get here. You're here now. Like just be direct. You're involved. They're not involved. Let people make decisions with their own money. It's it's just yeah. Anyway, Steve, sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're great. I I think Dow's point is really sound as far as like if you are trying to grow up as a, as a responsible company and they have like the whole this is the last tweet of it. The cryptic tweet stuff is 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 tough to reconcile. And again, people will say like this is fun. We're just being fun suckers and like whatever. But like, you know, I, I think the space in general as a whole is maturing with people's expectations. And I think Yuga has shown how they're maturing with those types of tweets and the way they've encouraged people to set up wallets and the way that they've you know pushed security and they've been very careful about things and the way that they've made things accessible to people around the world. Like they've done all these wonderful things that they've gotten feedback on for the past. I don't know how many years. The thing that I have trouble reconciling is exactly what Dow said, I guess, is like, okay, so now what? When you're sitting here saying we have this cryptic tweet where, you know, somebody who's been involved in the project for a while and Crazy Carl backpacks in the background. In the foreground, you have, you know, the, you know, Nakamigos, which again, I'm a little bit different spot where I'm just like, 
good, happy for him. But now Riggs is my friend. So now I'm torn because I'm rooting for people who have Nakamigos. And then I have Riggs with a one ETH bet, apparently, that they're going to go down below 0.1. So now I'm in like this terrible situation here uh, because I like to root for other people, whether I have those bags or not, because generally speaking, like, you know, they're, you know, people in the Nakamigos community. Let me put it this way. People in the Nakamigos community were very nice to me yesterday. I'll just say it again. They were very nice to me. They were very happy to be congratulated. The people who don't have Nakamigos were very upset uh, that I was congratulating them. So I think, um, God, I, I don't know if I've had a good block of a dozen pe- plus people in a while. So it was kind of, it was a good, it was a good cleansing. But I don't know, Dow, go ahead and get back in here. Yeah, just another point. Like we know 10 KTF is owned by Yuka, right? Now I have a speculation that a lot of that started with Warm Wallet and they wanted that We Knew Labs Warm Wallet tech. But regardless, today, this is like kind of one of their mainstream platforms too that they push more than anything else. So to have Undocks founders associated with that, I just don't know why Yuga would want to do something like that unless maybe there is some sort of tie. I think that they look at the 10 KTF connection with Guttercat and that was pre-acquisition of yuga like how could they want these flood fleeting and fledgling communities like still involved in their bread and butter products so like i i'm kind of torn on what the nagamigos thing is i'm kind of 100 percent with rigs that it's kind of a sham project pump and dump kind of deal but to think that yuga would want to tie and hitch their wagon to anything like that at this stage of the game kind of has me thinking that maybe it is a little deeper than that um but you just said is exactly what got me into trouble yesterday so watch your words because what i said was you know there's at least a clear connection and let's see what the actual connection is because 15 days in seems like a little bit quick people's tweeting about it and you know has friends in that world and even if he's not like involved which seems like he's not like that was interesting right it's like it just makes me it made me wonder is there more involvement than i thought and am I wrong? Because normally, again, I was very adamant there was not new involvement. That was silly. It happened with Goblin Town. Like I said that, like with all the things people are saying to me in the tweets that are mad. And I was like, look, what I'm saying is that if 15 days after minting with an anonymous founder, so clearly here's the thing that I, I hear, I, I get from this. One of two things, either Yuga's more involved than we think, or Figgy or uh, who's ten, from 10KTF or somebody in Yuga knows who the artist and the founder is. And they're comfortable with them being associated with them. It's one of those two things. But even in the latter, it doesn't feel great. It does feel, as to Briggs' point, sort of 2021-ish now. So I think it's a good point. But go ahead and respond, then we'll go over to Matthew. Yeah, just a quick thing I'm going to look into when I get back from walking the dog. Um, Those one-of-ones that they gave out. Now, if they gave one out to every founder of every parent project in 10KTF, that would be a sign that they are maybe a little bit more tied than just randomly. You know, if they were pumping out these one-of-ones, I know Betty's got one. That's why it kind of pops into my head. But if they let him out for, you know, the Toads and the, the Wolf game and the Wizards and yada, 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 then I would be a lot more eager to say that there is some sort of official tie there. Yeah, that's a really good thought. I didn't think about that besides the ones we saw with, like, Farouk and G-Money because they sort of made the headlines on it. But um, And by the way, I, obviously I didn't get an honorary. I'm not. But if I did, I would absolutely have sold the shit out of that thing. And I know people were like saying like, oh, can you sell an honorary? Dude, if someone wants to buy an honorary for like 10 ETH and get a one-on-one, God bless, uh, enjoy it, happy for you. I would much rather have the 10 ETH. I changed my mind on that. In the morning, I was like, oh, fuck that. And then like I saw it in the afternoon and I thought about it and I saw some of the replies and their reasoning. And I'm like, you know what? I'm with G-Money and Farouk on this. Sell that shit. I do it too. Literally changed my mind throughout the day. So uh, weigh in on that. But um. 
Yeah, I'll go to you one more time because you fly back up before I go to Matthew. Yeah, real quick. I'm actually the guy I don't sell my one-on-ones, and I'm getting sent some one-on-one kicks uh, for a one-on-one I have, and they are fucking hideous, and I don't know what to dress with them, and I would love to wear them to NFT NYC. So this is the space for it. I'm going to post a little picture. Maybe I'll pin it at the top, and you guys can kind of give me an idea because I feel like I'll just end up looking like I'm in a Limp Biscuit skate video or some shit. So I'm going to post them up here. Maybe you guys can help me. Yeah, and to be clear, if I want a one-of-one, I won't sell it. And I've gotten one-of-ones before that I haven't sold. I have also gotten honoraries I have sold. Like, I got an honorary bulls on the block way back when. And selling that for, like, 0.3 when ETH was at, like, 3,000 was probably the right move. Um, But, like, I I don't know. Like, I think if I was just dropped one and used for promotion, because people are using your name, image, and likeness to promote themselves without asking for your permission and just deliver it to your wallet, you absolutely can sell it. And that's your compensation for being used for that. I don't know. I, I, I think that argument stands. But... Matthew, go ahead get and get in here. I'm curious if we know if there are any patents that they had that were either at, like in process or finalized because that might be one of the other reasons they might be acquiring right now. Ooh, good question. That's Don't a know. really good question. There's like a lot of detective work that is going on as homework, I think, from this uh, this space now, this Twitter space. Dow's doing homework. Matthew's giving us giving everyone homework. Like there's a... There's some digging to be done. Let's connect some dots. Um, I mean, if you look around right now, a lot of the companies are acquiring these smaller companies predominantly for either tech they're involved in or not really the niche anymore, but more so for, you know, what they have to offer to build out. Yeah. Be worth looking into. Um, Wiz Phil, good to see you on stage. A new uh, a new speaker to the stage with a, a sheep. Uh, Wiz Phil, GM. Well, I mean, I'm a sheep for a reason, right? Because you're supposed to follow along and never question anything. There you go. Love that. No, but... Just uh, follow the herd. Just uh, do whatever they say. No, I, I kid. Go, go ahead, sheep. Yeah. Well, go ahead, ways. Uh, yeah, like jokes aside, I did have a question. Um, so uh, for those that don't know me, um, I'm Moist Pill. I write my own independent publications um, about a wide variety of topic that concerns technology, culture, and arts. And I very much intend on public, uh, making my own publications about that whole um, Nakamigo situation. And um, I'll start, I'll, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that I'm in no way tied with the team or founders, whichever you want to call it. But my investigation, um, as far as I can tell anyways, has concluded that, um, yeah, that what this is, it's just, you know, the typical playbook of fabricated hype and um, manufactured FOMO. And there's a couple of reasons to that. Um, I've had the opportunity to speak personally to a notable Anon collector in the space. Um, I'm not going to disclose who they are, but what I will say, though, is that through our personal interactions, um, they've revealed that not only they were in on early, in on this whole thing early, when Bored Apes was coming up to prominence, when CryptoPunks was coming up to prominence, but they, as a matter of fact, were actively invested in, um, you know, making you know Nakamigos part of this you know current hype cycle. Uh, I'm not I'm not too sure as to why that is specifically, but. When you see influencers such as, you know, Kath Simard, which is a photographer in the space um, who notoriously has sold off, you know, one of their uh, personally made Nakamigos one-on-ones, you know, what that tells me is that, you know, it's just a new version of this playbook where 
to sort of try and evade accountability. They're just, you know, having this being proposed as, well, this is just fan art, you know, for the purpose of, you know, representing a particular artist in the space or influencer or whichever you want to call them. But I think there's a responsibility here still in terms of being transparent, you know, like I have no issue whatsoever with uh, manufactured hype because all hype technically is manufactured, right? That's literally what marketing is. You talk about the things, you get people to engage with it, and that's the hype right there. The one issue I see, though, is that um, because of the fact that the majority of the folks in the space are not aware of the mechanics at play here, they'll just take it at face value. And I have a question as far as, you know, whether or not this is going to have broader implications for, you know, the space in general, because that's, um, you know, a string of so-called, you know, rug projects. Um, that's, that's, that's the latest. And I personally see this as a, what would break the camel's back um, in terms of, you know, people turning away from PF, PFPs once and for all. Um, because even, you know, the folks on, on the photography space and even the, even the music space are very displeased with this idea that Nakamigos are infecting the conversation right now. And, you know, that's that's an issue because it, it does take away from the people that actually do put in the work, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and actually make things out of a good faith in this space. So if anyone had any insights in that kind of like capacity, I would appreciate it. One thing I will disagree with you on, which actually it's weird. I'm going to disagree with you and it further makes your point is that I actually don't agree. All hype is manufactured hype. I don't think of it as, um, you know, all hype is manufactured and is marketing because I think there's a difference between marketing to sell a product and trying to get the value proposition across and, you know, get to reach a consumer who may actually get value from buying it and people buying something for financial gain so that they could eventually dump it down the line on people. Like, I think that those are two very different things. So it actually furthers your point. But I would I would push back on saying, like, hey, all things hype. I, I do have a problem with, you know, manufactured hype. And I've, I've called it out before when I haven't liked it. And it's one of, you know, the things I try to stay away from. What I also try to do, though, at the same time is try to be really careful about where I'm calling it. And I'm not saying whether it's here or not. I, I don't know. Um, but what I'll say is like, you know, when the when the big pudgy penguin, when the rarest pudgy penguin sold, people were tossing FUD at pudgy penguins. And I was on my morning show saying, look, like pudgy penguins, like uh, let's just let someone have a sale before we start calling this a big scam. Because there was something early on where someone, you know, on the team with an anonymous wallet bought like one of penguins really expensive to try to pump up hype. And as it turned out, the guy just wanted to buy a penguin. And then that day, Luca and one of the you know community leads came on our show. And I remember it clearly because they basically were like, yeah, man, like I took over the project. It's a whole different ball game. We're pumped that this guy wanted to buy it. And, you know, we're changing the community. So like sometimes people misassign things. I'm not saying you are, but I'm saying like, so I'm careful where I call it. Nakamigos, I said before, like know the risk you're getting into. Community seems dope. They're all getting excited about it. People are getting hyped. If they're not hurting anyone, which pump and dump would be hurting someone. So that's not okay then I'm not bothered by it. You know, seems like they're in 10K TF now. Good for them. I don't know what the connection is there. Um, but I did have the smell early on of sort of that typical thing when you saw who was buying and pumping it. Not only that, like the concept of like a very short project, getting a free mint from something random, and then all of a sudden getting pumped. Like, you know, we, we saw those sort of markings to your point, but I don't know at this point, or it could just be another thing like, I mean, look, Zagabond had like three or four failed projects before Azuki's that he effectively rugged, and then that one was successful. Like, 
were they saying this one might not be? And then it kind of caught fire, right? Is there, is there something to be said about that? But the thing that keeps throwing me off about like the investigative work you've done here and where I keep coming back to is what Dow Jones is saying. What, you know, what I'm thinking is like 15 days into this journey, they have a, you know, connection with 10 KTF. And if it's a meme, that's irresponsible on Yuga's part. And if it's involved with 10 KTF, that means they must know the artist and they must know who the team is. And so if that's the case, I have a hard time seeing it being sort of this big rug pump and dump and more just a, they're involved with 10 KTF. Cause it seems like it'll be very hard to get hold of anonymous founders in two weeks. And Yuga would be skeptical to say like anybody in the NFT space is skeptical the way Riggs is the way I am, the way James is the way Dow is like the way you are. Like I was skeptical. Um, the, to answer your second question, though, before I go, you know, just go off on that part, I would say I don't think people are fleeing from any sort of market just over one individual thing. Like, I don't think people I think there's a narrative that people are getting fed up. I think we're going to have the same 20, 30, 40, 50,000 wallets trading stuff around for now until the onboarding ramp gets easier if people want to get involved in the Ethereum ecosystem. And I think NFTs continue to pivot with sort of what they're really used for, which is a loyalty program, a tradable card game, like things that they actually fit from a technology perspective. I think we're going to see in the next couple of years more of that. And then we'll see a couple web two native brands like or web three native brands like Yuga and Doodles survive. And I, that's sort of my take on where that goes. I don't think it's like the whole space or the sky is falling. Um, I think we're in a terrible macroeconomic situation. We're in a general bear market. NFTs are down. And, you know, I don't think it's any different than any other time. Like, I don't think there's a straw that's going to break the camel's back, but that's just my personal take. I saw Dow's hand fly I, up. Oh, go, go, James, yeah. go James. Well, I was going to say, I don't disagree with you on that, Steve. A couple things that you had said though before that I just wanted to touch on, like it, this is such a weird conundrum uh, by way of the way everything is played out, that, that there's so many things that someone's going to point to no matter which way this falls. And they're going to be like, why did you do this? Like the, the gifted, um, the gifted Nakamigos, right? If if Yuga and 10KTF is involved, that will come into question later on. It's like, why why was that necessary, uh, A? Um, the other part of this is if they're not involved, um, then, then what's this post about? If it is a pump and dump, once again, why would they even touch this with a 10-foot pole? Um, so there's just so much that's kind of contradictory that unfortunately, no matter which way this falls, there's going to be backlash uh, on on this whole thing. Um, if it is a pump and dump, this will be one of the biggest black eyes I've, I've seen them take. Um, but I don't, I just can't bring myself to think that that is the intention there. Um, so they just really need, I, I think they need to expedite some transparency, uh, around Dow, Come on in. Yeah. I just liken it to like a K jewelers, you know, a big name in a diamond space, like sourcing their diamonds from an unknown source right now. Are they all going to be? mind sketchily probably not but chances are that if it's not known from where it comes from then you know somebody saved a little money along some way so like i just don't understand why they would even associate with them unless they know the source like i just think they have way too much to lose at this point and that's why i was kind of so disappointed in it because like how that project is kind of gaining steam and stuff most of the people in this room and kind of who people in this room associate themselves with know that that's not a sustainable model for this space. And like, we really don't want to keep um, encouraging that. So like for Yuga, who is our king shit in the space to be doing that, um, you know, I don't know. I agree with Steve hundred percent. If it's a meme, it's irresponsible. And if they're tied to them with this, you know, veil of mystery and like the influencers and 
and just all of the just how it's happening i'm just not happy with it it's not yuga's first l by any means however you know we obviously give them, i know i'm the biggest um you know i run this foul more than anybody i give them a pass for a lot of shit because i know that my pudgy penguin's not gonna be worth shit unless steve h is worth something you know what i mean so i give them a pass a lot i think that they'll get a pass for this too but in my opinion that it's a lose-lose because i don't think in today's day and age you should be doing this veil of mystery when it comes to people's money it's all it's all the same you know fifteen thousand people's money all you're doing is sucking more liquidity it's kind of like you know, I liken it a lot to what they did with the gas war for the other side drop. So, you know, they know what's going to happen. They understand the effects of their actions. So, like, I don't know why they would do it. I And I think they need to be careful about NELs uh, at this point because, to your point, it's the same It's the same wallets, right? And what you don't want to do is you don't want to start losing the people on the fence. Not to say, like, at the, at the end of the day, they're not going to care. They've got so much I mean, they've got so much revenue, it's insane at this point, but they should care, right? Because you do need support eventually, uh, to your point earlier, Dow, like you got to have users come in here. So I just think that avoiding NELs um, are probably better than not, not to say that they're going to lose a ton of social equity. Um, but if you start losing people that might be participants, that's probably not a good thing, you know? Steve, yeah, sorry just, no, 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 you're great. Because, and I know like, like I think Dow's point that he made is kind of where my tweet that I was getting yelled at was for was going and where I'm going in general is that there it doesn't make it they have way too much to lose and nothing to gain if they don't know like if this turns out to be a random rogue project or just something they connected with randomly it, it's it's such a hot environment on this particular the other thing is it's a hot environment on it even if everything was legit it's such a do not touch in for them if they don't have to, like there's nothing forcing them to get involved with Nakamigos just because they're an excited community, right? There's all their ones they can go out to that they haven't talked to yet. Um, and so I, I just feel like they're, and they could, they could pump up other projects in the space. Like I know he's technically anonymous, but he's out there all the time. Like I think about like an alien boy, like Georgie would partner with them and the alien boys wouldn't, it would probably do good for their floor, right? It would, it would, it would give people from alien boy the opportunity to pump up, you know, Probably two, three X, honestly, with where they're at. Um, or goats for that matter, right? Like there are there are other communities with like no and Des is docs. He's, you know, he works with you know virtual human studios and Zed Run. And he's like, so there's things, there's people like that that they could be working with, which is why I just keep coming back to the fact that I know people disagreed with this. I just have a hard time reconciling that they would do this if they didn't know the founders and they didn't know that there was the upside that mattered for them. Because if they do. There's, there's no, like, if they don't, then, like, they're risking a black eye and an L that, yeah, I mean, people get over it, it'll be fine, but it's like, you don't want to put that on your resume. There's no reason to. It doesn't make sense. Um, Riggs, go ahead and get in here, then we'll go back to Dow. Yeah, I mean, I think I look at this entire situation from two twofolds. When you start talking about who's pumping what, and 10KTF, they're in a similar, and I'm just talking 10KTF, not Yuga holistically. They're in a situation where, Dow's 100% right. They've got to sell product. They've got to get more of this stuff out in people's hands. What better way than add communities to it? Totally get that. But then you're pulling in and pulling revenue away from other assets that are currently in your ecosystem, like the GTAG, that nobody understands what's happening. We've been waiting for it. And so all of a sudden, then you pump this other side of your business, and then it shifts to where you're pumping the the G tag eventually you're just passing money around. And again, the house always wins in those scenarios. Same thing I'm seeing with the community from the, the Nakamigos. 
all of these people, and I say all of them, a majority of the holders come from the MFR community. They're currently about to pump this past the MFR floor. At some point, all of them are going to get frustrated because their MFRs are going down as well because there's not enough money to go around. So then they're going to dump the Nakamigos to start pumping the, the MFRs, and around we go, around we go. It, it's just a, a sticking point that at some point we really have to get out of this situation. Uh, and, and until we get to that point where we don't just buy in and ape into these speculative situations, and then 15 days later this, this project has now partnered in essence, and, and I say partner loosely, whatever they call it, with the biggest name in the, in the game. Well, there's just so many other ways to go about it and, and to reward the people that have been here and, and continuing to grind and try to actually build and put this space in the right position to move forward versus, again, like I said, taking a couple steps backwards. Well, you know what's interesting is there are MFers as is one community, but actually the second largest – I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Doodles. Doodles. The second largest community switching PFPs is Doodles, which is super interesting and not as many switching out and then back in. So that was fascinating because Doodles being such a strong IP, great PFP from, from my, my perspective, and people are switching their PFPs out to Nakamigos like, because they're craving probably what that early Doodles community was, which was like a great, you know, vibing community. I wonder if that's something that's happening. I think it's they're craving something else. And, and this is something that, I see a lot right this second with my PFP. Whoppers. They're, they're craving whoppers. They're, they're craving engagement. They're absolutely craving engagement on the timeline. Similar to the way if you change your, your PFP to a you you immediately get that act, that dopamine rush of the active engagement. When you get into these communities that were early quote unquote blue chips, which we we've we don't need to go down that conversation, but it's, it's gotten hard. It, we've been tested. We, we're now having to become defenders of that particular project day in, day out. I see my, I actually see my guy, Captain Dad Pants, down there. He came at me because my Moonbird uh, PFP earlier. I go, dude, don't judge me on my PFP. Let's have a conversation. And it happens day. And I'm just picking on Captain Dad Pants. I, I appreciate him, him, and I've had conversations. But seriously, it happens over and over. And so right this second, people feel more comfortable and they get that dopamine rush. It doesn't mean that this is a long-term conviction play like the doodles, like the moonbirds, like these others have been. I think that they will come back and you'll just see, again, we're just cycling through over and over and over. Yeah, no, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a hot environment right now. And that's the other thing that's been frustrating in general is how, and one thing I was hoping 10 KTF and Yugo were going to be able to solve with things like other side is how tribal we've become. And I get it. Like there's levels of like tribes to some degree where it's like, you're going to associate with people, right? Like I am very excited for, and we talked, we've talked about this race. I'm excited for Moonbird's new community, new, new direction because I like art. I've gotten into art since I've been to NFTs. They're well connected in the art world. And immediately I'm going to get a, you know, group private tour from Tyler Hobbs and a group of people with a small group on Friday morning. And I'm going to go to a Beeple event on Thursday night in NYC. Delivering an art collector's PFP, Diamond S exhibition. I'm like a two or three day nester. I'm going to be in early on that as well. All of that stuff works well with me. But what we're not getting, what it used to be was, hey, I jive with these people, but also these other people are cool. Let's all work together to you know, fuck you. There's only so much ETH to go around in the ecosystem. We need to be the high, the, the big, the BMOC, right? You need to be the big man on campus. And I think that that's something that we have changed a little bit as we've gotten to the bear where 
to be fair, to your point, when people are cycling doodles to Nakamigos, if they're doing so and selling, what you're effectively doing if you're not gaining new wallets is you are simply cycling the same ETH back and forth, losing money to gas and fees until there's less money to be spent. So that's not a good proposition to have. And, and going at odds against each other, you know, it's like, again, like, I, I think that's part of the problem of like what we've lost our way when it comes to general PFP communities, which it's a whole other conversation in the directions I think they should go. But it's like, you know, there's two ways to build the tallest building in town. You can build yours really tall or you can knock the next person's down. And I think we're seeing a lot of the latter in the NFT space versus the former, which is if we all work together, we put ourselves in a best possible position to succeed long-term. And I think that that's, that's probably the thing that we're kind of missing at the moment. So um, with that said, I'm going to go back to rigs. And then after that, I'm going to sneak out the back door because my, um, my food, my Thai food has arrived. So we're about to, we're about to mash in the bark household. No, I, it's just one of those things. And you talking about Thai food, did you really just get me off my track train of thought where, what I was going to say. I know it's weird that I'm eating breakfast for dinner, but I'm doing it right. I know it's a breakfast food, but I'm eating it now. Oh, it is an odd thing that you're eating breakfast food for dinner. I mean, that tie just sounds so good at 8 a.m. Um, oh, fuck. I forgot. Go to Dow. Or, no, I think Wiz was, was next. Wiz, go ahead and get in here. And then I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to probably sneak out in just a second here. Yeah. I just wanted to mention, you know, when it comes to the culture out here. Um, as someone who I spent quite a lot of time getting to know different ecosystems, uh, not just the Ethereum one, I can confidently say that groupthink definitely blinds people. I think this is not a new concept here. But here's where it really does get interesting for me specifically. Um, fairly early on in the hype cycle of 2020-2021, when Beeple was the talk of the town, uh, I've actually gone to a few Ethereum spaces to talk about Cardano and get some feedback in terms of what the thought was. And immediately I was slammed out of the space being told that it was a shitcoin. Never talk about it again. And it's very interesting that people were saying that because Cardano, in case some of you were not aware, the founder is the actual found co-founder of Ethereum. So... If we are to go off of validity in terms of, you know, what's worth paying attention to, it doesn't get more val valid than that. And more importantly, the founder of, you know, the co-founder of Ethereum himself, you know, Charles Huskinson famously has gone on the record to say that when it comes to, you know, this space that's currently emerging, it's a very perversely incentivized one. You know, this idea that um, you build something, get paid up front and ask questions later. So uh, a real way to hone in onto, you know, the bad actors and is to think of it as like when you build a train where if you're going to hire someone to build the mechanism for the safety of your train and the, and the braking system, for one, make sure you pay them last. And for two, make sure they ride that train every day so that by the time the project is done, it's, it's, it's done as it's supposed to be in a lot of the folks involved, unfortunately, are not incentivized that way because we currently in this ecosystem are voting with our wallets by just aping into anything that's just get dangled in front of us for the promise of a potential, you know, 10x return. And that's a big problem. Yeah, I think part of the problem, though, is that a lot of people don't even know where the train is going at this point. I mean, we have an idea, right, like a general direction. But at the end of the day, I think there's too much confusion on on 
the stops and the destination and everybody who's legitimately involved. Right. I mean, at this point you've got, you've got <laughs> besides board apes and mutants and codas and now vessels with Maras and maybe Nakamigos. And it's that to me, that's, that's like, it's, and like I said, I'm not necessarily confused, but I'm starting to get to the point where I think it's just too much too soon, unless there's context, like a lot of context. Um, so that way people aren't making poor decisions, right? Like I don't mind being on the train along for the ride. Um, and I actually don't mind spending into the, into the ecosystem, but I'm not going to spend blindly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't mind spending. I just, I, what I don't want to find out at one point is that like, you know, whoops, you, you bought 10 of these things. And by the way, they, they have zero value. Um, and they're really not involved. Like that's that, that shit would drive me up a wall. Um, but, uh, Dow, come on, come on back in here. Yeah. So just as a guy, like I said, who likes 10 KTF, you know, one thing I thought that they dropped the ball on with this and it's regardless of who brings in, who comes into the community, they're not done rewarding the people already in there. They haven't completed what they were talking about with Gucci yet. They've had that Gucci cloth out there forever. Like Rick said, G tags. How about dead fellas? You want to talk about a community that's quote unquote doing it right, right? You got Betty out there reaching out. You can contact her anytime. Sykes, a real artist. Um, they're there for the community. They're in 10 KTF. They could really use some help on their floor price. How come Yuga is not boosting people like that, especially with the, the connection with the, uh, I always call them the real Ari Gold, but, you know, they're all in that same um, agency together. You know, I just don't understand why KTF would be pumping outside stuff when they're not done squeezing the juice off what they got on their own tree yet. So, like, just another fail for me, in my opinion, you know, you got a lot of projects in there that could use their help and, like, have signed up as, like, you know. They're already in the in the club. Why aren't you helping them? So just my two cents on it is like, you know, I'm one that I like to call it out when Yuga does fail because I think that they get overlooked a lot for that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, whether or not they're gonna, they're not gonna. I mean, I mean, knock on wood, Yuga's not failing, right? But I do think L's to Steve's point earlier are definitely not something they want to accumulate. Uh, I know they got a fuck it mentality, but I really don't want them to be that. To uh, well fuck it mentality around marketing perhaps in, in some way, shape or form uh, as we've seen in the past. Um, but I don't want that to be a reality of like, we don't care if we take things on the chin because um, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to fail. Um, that, that would, that would be really disappointing um, to uncover that kind of a reality in terms of their thought process. Um, but Riggs, go ahead and give me some commentary around that. No, I was just going to say trust me of all people you do not want a team to start stacking l's it's not good for things it's not good for the price of those assets you care about um no yuga's gonna be that's what i mean yeah yuga's gonna be fine let's be real I, i i believe here's my only concern about because they're not playing the game for today seriously i think that they are working very hard to add value back to their holders i i truly do believe that but they're not building for today. They're building for five, 10 years out. And so here's my biggest concern, especially with the flood. Take even an 18 to 24 month timeline. If they continue to flood the market with additional assets, which they absolutely need to do if they're going to have a game, because games have to have millions of tokens for individuals at all different price points. All of that being said, it could cause a dip 
in your current asset values for quite some time, which, again, if you're super long-term, this shouldn't be a concern for you. Everything will work out. But there are individuals, there are circumstances that take place in life that, unfortunately, sometimes you have to sell assets. It, it's just, whether it's NFTs or in real-life assets, sometimes you have to do things for in-real-life needs, and that's okay. And if you're one of those long-term holders, and I would just hate to see them continue to saturate the market with additional NFTs that's not ready for the, doesn't have the demand for it. We don't have the size of, of the ecosystem in general to support that. And so it, it could, it could actually have a negative impact holistically because everybody for the most part, I, and I don't I hate using absolutes, but a lot of people have been trying to flip into Yuga assets, consolidate into Yuga assets. And so, uh, if they continue to do this, could this could have a bigger impact on the entire NFT ecosystem if, if this happens. That being said, if there's a team, if there is one team in this space I absolutely have faith in, it's fucking Yuga. It, it just is what it is. I couldn't agree more. And we're going to go to Stacky, the host. I don't know why she's raising her fucking hand again. She is. Stacky, you can, you can cut in whenever you want uh, and mute all of us. I, what, one thing I'm going to say, Riggs, the one thing that scares me right now, a lot of assets coming out of Yuga hit the market, and I don't know what everything does. Um, that to me is just—I don't—I just don't know. I mean, a lot, right? How many vessels? Does anybody even know how many vessels there are? Well, it's going to be a hundred thousand vessels because every, I mean, come it, on. It, well, I mean, in essence, if you burn your if you burn your other deed, it you get the vessel, and you have the opportunity to pull a, a rare vessel. Now, the question is, which Tebow put pointed out. Uh, in the terms of service that no one ever reads, these vessels are actually also going to spin off a Mara. And so this could be an additional 200,000 assets onto the marketplace. That being said, I don't know if we're reading that correctly. I don't know if we're speculating on that correctly. Do not quote me on that, please. I did not say there's going to be 200,000. That is just my guess. So I feel like Yuga Labs has turned into, uh, you guys have turned into scavenger hunters. And uh, because every time they release something else, it's like, we're going to read this manual and we're going to look at this photo. What is that in the background? Oh, my God. Look in the clouds. It's, it's writing like <laughs> you guys turn into like scavenger hunters and uh, now you got to burn something to turn something into something else. So it's like an immersive experience now. Like everything you do is yuga at this point. What's up, Matthew? Oh, yeah. Also, Des Bryant got hacked. Well, not hacked. He got fished. At by MILF token, not even a real one. Oh my I don't even, yeah, I don't even say about that. But Matthew, come chime on in on that. I think also them jumping into the sort of the speculative market. I think a lot of it too is they're looking to see what catches and what people might get excited by to then be able to say, okay, let's develop in that direction, seeing how you know popular reaction is towards different assets or towards different amenities. And I think you're going to see that kind of low key way of sourcing now more than ever. I, I think these vessels uh, were, especially at the price point that they currently lie to me. And, and I, last time I checked, cause I did the whole, I did this earlier. This is why I was asking about it. Cause then I, my eyes kind of opened them like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Did the decoupling, came with a vessel and then i was like what is this thing now 
right? Like, sure, glad that I got it. Appreciate that. However, um, there is a law of diminishing returns at one point in terms of like supply and demand. So I'm just trying to figure out where we're at because when I looked, it said only 30,000 of these things had been claimed. Um, is that an indicator? There's a hundred thousand out there that's going to be done or rigs is, do you have to burn your land and like, you don't get it anymore? Is that your, your thing or how's that work? No, you, I, I don't believe there's a timetable on this. There's an unlimited time frame, I believe to be able to burn your land and in, in, in essence, in essence, you're burning your land to move it to a different contract, which again, I speculate they're doing that to uh, have be able to enforce the 5% royalty. For, for that, then you ultimately get a vessel. Uh, and you're right. In, in essence, if you, if you treat this like a pre-reveal, which again, that's what it appears people are doing. Uh, people are, you know, the, the price of a other deed versus pre-burn versus the price of the other deed plus the vessel post-burn plus the 5% you would lose off the top for enforced royalties are less than the value of that original deed. So they haven't given a a reason enough, I guess, for people to dive in and go burn all of theirs. Um, I know there's a lot of people, so I, I think you're going to see this trickle. I think it is an interesting stat because if you look at what Frank did with Utes and the bridge to ETH, with he incentivized people so much to do it in the first 24 hours. I think he had around 80% of his entire supply burnt, uh, migrated in the first 24 hours. So I just don't think that they drove enough incentive uh, to really drive this thing forward. And or there's still some speculation around this and people are questioning what to do. That could be part of it as well. There's, there could be some paralysis by analysis going on. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on the, on the, the quantity there and, and the percentage because – you know, if two weeks from now we're still, we're sitting around forty percent, that's going to be a really odd, a, a very uncomfortable indicator <laughs> for me personally, um, because what's that going to mean at that point? Does that mean a, a, a lack of interest from the people that are already bought in, like pretty heavily too? Um, that that's something I want to keep an eye on because that that to me won't won't sit well, and it will be like. Now, now there's a possible two L's on the horizon of, of kind of, I guess to your point, they could have they could have created that, um, they could have lit a fire there to be like you got to do this in a certain time frame uh, because otherwise I think you're going to see um, something that's not not going to have some good numbers for them. But Dow, go ahead. Yeah, just a thought: if uh, less people migrate to the new contract, they cannot move forward in the game and in the storyline. So it would just be more stuff for anyone else to share. So, like your hundred thousand now would be going split against fifty thousand. So if they did do some sort of revenue sharing model, or we have to harvest resources, it does just open up for more profits for everybody else, in my opinion. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I'm going to keep an eye on that specifically just because today I did the whole thing and I was like, all right, this is, you know, I, I get it. Pretty cool. But uh, at the same token, I'm like, Jesus, there's more more assets with another possibility of additional asset but per rigs. Um, that, like once again, not, you know, don't hold us to this, but if there's an additional 2000 assets here or 200,000 assets, sorry. Um, yeah, then, then it's starting to get to the point of, uh, I, I need to start figuring out exactly how, how to um, ensure that exits are timely um, because th I just, I don't see, 
I don't see supply and demand being at where they where they might think it's it's at, or maybe they got something up their sleeve that's going to turn that around. But Stacky, I did want to turn it back. Or go ahead, Riggs. I see well, I just wanted to say I'm getting checked on my percentages in the DMs on the Utes scenario. Uh, it was eleven thousand five hundred ish of the supply, so it was seventy six percent, roughly seventy six, not eighty percent of Utes migrated in the first twenty four hours. I just wanted to correct the old stats. Riggs, that 4% is fucking everything. Um, no, I, I, listen, um, I'm going to kick this back over to Stacky. I know she's got some things going on in the background. I've got a little man that's uh, running continual fevers for whatever He reason. runs the show. He's being good today. It's okay. He's a good boy. <laughs> good boy. That's right. he is, he's a um, very well-behaved kid. The, so the, uh, now, uh, we got six, now we got six. Oh, boy. Yeah. Hold on. Six, what? What? Hold the fuck on. Oh, what? Is, club? <laughs> clubhouse? What you mean? Oh boy! Like, like no. Listen, I love when you come in, but I, but I knew Stacky was trying to wind us. I said, "Oh boy, come on in. Come bring it." What's up, everybody? What's going on? Welcome to the motherfucker. Uh, what is this? Knock on. I was going. Man, I was about to say something different, but we're gonna say knock amigos for right now. Uh, not. <laughs> Not the, not, not, not the Negro. Man, not the Negro. But it's, uh, what's going on, everybody? My name's Six. I appreciate, I, I appreciate y'all for coming through. You know, man, it's okay. It's a recorded space. I can say that. You know, man, it's all right. It's nothing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm coming out with a project called Casamigos. You know, man, I'm going to drink Casamigos. I need somebody to pixelate me a bottle that I'm going to be drinking. And the, the utility is I'm going to drink a bottle every other day at the club. And I'm going to just send you a picture of it so you can see how to enjoy life. Now, uh, outside of that, Fashion Fridays, y'all know, uh, always looking for y'all always have some dope shit going on around here. Y'all always have some dope people. Uh, appreciate y'all coming through. Make sure you leave a comment, review, comment, uh, send, send this to somebody, man. Tag everybody. Make sure, uh, send it to your ex if you want to get rid of her, you know, man. Just tell her there's somebody out here, a big old yellow motherfucker full of tattoos and braids. That you know, he just want to say hello. This has some fly shoes. So what's up, man? Clubhouse, what's up, man? I'm excited. It's fucking Friday. Let's fucking go. Six what, is trying what? to uh, six is trying to throw an event for contestants. How's that looking? Man, fuck them people, man. They smoking crack. You want me to be honest? I'm gonna tell you what I told them. They smoking crack. Like literally, I'm like y'all. How much they offer this They smoking crack. I'm like that's that's how much. I'm like y'all got to be like y'all seventy thousand. Man, no more. I'm like y'all, y'all, y'all crazy. I'm like y'all. So I broke it down. I said, dude, listen, I've been in a music industry. I be in clubs. I'm like, I understand what you're charging, but you're crazy. So you pretty much telling me this is this is and, and it left a bad taste in my mind. He's like, I'm gonna get back with you. Now I'm like, you're telling me to give you a hundred thousand dollars so I can make you money. That that like I'm like, can you explain to me? How does that even make sense to me? He's like, what do you mean? I say, you just told me you won uh, 50000 for the venue base. All right. Then 35000 tab on liquor. All right. So that's 85 plus a 22% uh, gratuity plus taxes and fees. Boom. They make it 100. I'm like, okay. So you want 100. So my people can come in there and spill spend money you're fucking crazy and i say i said dude like do you hear what you're saying he's like oh i said okay then he gave me a quote for 
uh, a day they they not even open. That just threw me. I, I damn near threw my phone out the window. That's when I told him, "All right, bro, you smoking crack? Like you have to be." I say, "You just you just told me you want seventy thousand. Uh, and normally like, oh, you could give me this. To, okay, so you want seventy after everything? For what? Like, what do I get? Just the club? So I'm gonna bring my people. I'm gonna give you seventy, and after that thirty five thousand dollar tab, whatever they get, all these money will go to the club. Like." That don't make sense. So I'm paying you for you to make money. Like, your club is going to be closed. You could have been like, hey, just come spend 30 bands. The club is closed. I open the door. You bring your own, your people. I told them I, I, I got all this staff. It's all women. They all certified. They can't handle liquor. They just going to be half naked. As long as you're okay with that, and pasties or whatever sponsor it is, put the pasties in the Where you go? So basically, he was talking about the pasties has the sponsors on it. I can't hear him. Did he rug? Yeah, he, he's rugged. Jeez. See, they even rugged his space. So he was he's looking at this really dope space, actually. It was really cool. It was humongous for consensus. He was going to throw the massive after party. And uh, pretty much all oh, the shit, sponsors. I'm going to be at consensus. You going to be there? Yep. Yep. There you go. <laughs> you want it? You want a uh, clubhouse on some pasties? <laughs> Riggs, you heard that laugh. Oh, I heard it. Absolutely. I think it was a yes. Yeah, that sounds like a yes to me, too. <laughs> Listen, Clubhouse uh, Archives NFT is uh, creating the outfits for it. <laughs> Simple, simple out. We're going minimalistic. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, anyway. Simple okay. for the nipple. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, connect with six. So he already connected with a couple NFT projects. If we can get everybody to just say, hey, this is the after party for consensus, then we don't have to go to 90 after parties. It'll just be this one, and it's massive. So that's the goal, is to get everybody to just say, hey, this is where we're going to be. Remember, we talked about so much to do and not enough people show up at the time. There you go. You already know this is the after party guy right here. <laughs> so so why not? You know, it makes sense. But what's up, Blue? Before we go, we're going to wrap it up. Hey, love. How are you? Hi, Matthew. Blue. I saw, I saw what you guys going on. You want to talk about it for a second? Six tricks. What's talk up? About, talk about what's going on with you, and then we're going to wrap it up. Oh, I mean, I'm just, you know, trying to be out here changing the world and, you know, giving people royalties on the blockchain and our own ecosystem and automated payments. So when you go to conferences and they say they're going to sponsor you instead of getting held with the bag, you can say you can go to my site, hit my button and you can deposit your money in escrow and then my smart contract will execute it. And I won't be left holding the bag no more. Um, you know, that's just like some of it. But I'm going to drop my art as use case. You know, because it's funny when you're in meetings and they're waiting for like the rest of the devs and stuff to come to the meeting. And you're like, uh, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I appreciate you, love. And I hope everybody is, you know, 
Was that you in the video? Nah, see, like, that's the whole point. Like, I was in the space. And they said only certain people from certain platforms and certain groups could figure out the solution. And if they couldn't figure it out, nobody could. So we're not using APIs. So like basically for everybody in the room, that's like when you about to go out, I'm about to go out with Saki, we're going to put makeup on to cover, you know, whatever's going on and make it look better. But if that water hit it, it's going to come off. So that's like what a operating filter is. And that's what like people are coming out and they like, oh, we can have royalties. And and listen, I am not knocking anyone. Look, people are trying to come up with the best solutions that they can. However, there are solutions actually on the blockchain, like documents. So if Stacky gives you API. I mean, um, IP, right? License. There's like a freaking actual document that gives you like the actual terms and conditions of that license. And then she's going to put it on a blockchain on her smart contract with a multi-sig. So nobody can like say, uh, no, nah, that's not what I said. All of us got to put the keys in the car to be able to drive it if we're going to change it up, you know? And there's like so much more like no discord because I have messaging with inside of my website based off of tokens and wallet addresses and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I'm excited because it's crazy having meetings with people and trying to, you know, I have to be careful what I say, but <clears throat> you do I appreciate y'all. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm so glad to hear that. Your updates on everything. Can't wait to talk to you a little bit more. Go ahead, Six. I don't know how much y'all heard. I think I'm None of it. Huh? You cut off so early. Oh, my God. I was Pasties. Uh, That's the last thing we heard was pasties. Oh, yeah. So, man, these people expect me to pay them. So, you, you want all of this money so I can give you some money? Like, that to me didn't make no sense. So, I told them they smoking crack. I'm like, you got to be crazy, bro. It's That's a mental disease. Like, it, it really has to be. Like, fuck, I look like your club is going to be closed that day. So you're going to make no money. So you rather make no money than just be like, hey, just give me 20, 30. Spend 30 at the bar. Just spend 20 or 30 at the bar. I'll open the door for your people. Bet. That's cool. We probably going to spend more. But I don't know. So I'm waiting on the other places to see what's going on. But Connect then, with James. He's ready to make the, shirt, the shorts and the pasties. The shit, let me know. You know what I mean? Let me know. We'll figure it out. He's so Pasties is the way to go. Shit. I, like, like, for real. I just James I just, used to be in Miami. He already know. Don't think James ain't no square. I, ne- I never said that. You know what I mean? I never said that. He 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 probably ready. So how, how, what's going on? What's going on with y'all today, man? I like this... Uh, Fashion Friday, man. I like this Fashion Friday. What's the fashion for today? Can I get some fashion tips? Matthew, do you have any fashion tips? For, where Bruce at? Uh, Bruce is doing stuff for my gala today. Hey, who made the shoes on the top? They dope. Ow. Yeah, that's vinyl with uh, Mecca Pilots. I got a one-on-one, and I'm going to rock these, but I got nothing to rock them with. I'm old-school New York City skateboarder. I would just go with khakis and the white tee. 
nice chain, call it a day, but that's not fashion, people. I need some help here. I'm a fucking coach's jacket, Maxi. I need you guys to dress me. Just put some black jeans with those right there and a black V-neck. Boom. The figure's called though. Long coat, all black. There you go. Bro, I'm too Puerto Rican for the V-neck. My chest has to be blowing out that motherfucker. I'll go with the crew, though. I didn't yeah. even know you were Puerto Rican, though. <laughs> Hey, bro, you got to leave, leave uh, the old, taco me. Uh, old white uh, uh, police officer. Taco <laughs> me. <laughs> but what about my voice sounds so old? Everyone thinks I'm like 75 years old on this app. I swear you sound 75 years old, Dow. <laughs> you sound like Matt Colombo. Then everyone Matt sees Colombo. me and they tell me I look like a Wahlberg. That's the other one I keep getting. Okay, you got to post a picture because I'm telling you, you sound like like a old police officer with like this thick ass like mustache. I'll do a selfie with James when I see him at NYC. <laughs> I know she didn't just say you like looking like a 1999 porn star. <laughs> with the oh yeah, for sure. All right, everybody. On that note, uh, don't want to get down in trouble, but 1989 uh, was 1979 porn star or 1980 which one what year was that for sure whatever it is that's down 1990 okay all right everybody let's wrap it up thank you for joining us fashion friday with clubhouse archives nft we'll see you every friday 5 p.m eastern standard time and we'll actually talk about fashion sometimes you know if you want to add to the conversation feel free to this is not an echo chamber you know, we love to talk to people and learn about your local fashion here, too. I want to I wanna hear some more people. What are you building? So next week, maybe we'll focus on what are you building? All right, everybody. Have a great week. Weekend. Bye. Oh, oh, VIP with six is next. Bye.